powered by the Panorama Scar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alex Bradley Lonzo Studios of Azel, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 122. Tonight, we bring back the one and only Michael Herklotz of Ferry Otago. And as always, the Primetime Special Edition show is sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humanoids around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobaccos that have been carefully hand-selected and are well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuador in Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary, the Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, the Perdomo Abano Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And we want to mention Aganorsa Leaf. Great leaf makes great cigars. Aganorsa Leaf stands out because of the distinctive flavor of that Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 seeds. Cultivated by Cuban agronomists on the best lands in Jalapa and Esteli, Nicaragua. When you smoke one of that JFR, JFR Lunatic, Guardian of the Farm, or Casa Fernandez cigars, you experience the unique taste and aroma that makes Aganorsa Leaf special. Smoke one today and enjoy the signature flavor of Aganorsa Leaf. And I want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo Leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age Cigars of Cuba, the Leaf of Choice makes some of the world's greatest cigars. Because this is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Huy Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son who still bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in 100% authentic Corojo Puro, San Andreas Maduro, Ecuadorian Connecticut Shade, Cameroon or Habano wrapper representing the golden age of scars from 1947 to 1961. Now, but with your local retailer, be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. And finally, uh, by Drew Estate. Check out and download the Drew Diplomat app for your mobile device. Keep up with everything going on Drew Estate. Experience the subculture that is the rebirth of cigars. It's available on iTunes or Google Play. For more information, check out www.drewdiplomat.com. And as always, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime Show. And I want to mention that Cigar Coops PCA coverage is going to be sponsored this year in tandem by Dayless Ray Cigars and by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Special Edition 122. Today is Tuesday, June 14th, 2022, Flag Day. Will Cooper, I'm in the black stage here in the Perdomo Scott Studios. And it's been a long time, I think, since we've uh, kind of connected on a special edition. But uh, joined by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Barry Duplissy. Uh, Coop, thank you so much for uh 
welcoming uh, us back to a very, very special edition. I'm really excited for this one in particular. But the uh, the question of the day stands. If you had to pick between candy corn and peeps, which one are you eating? Candy corn. They're, that is the incorrect answer. They're both disgusting. You should have picked neither. No, no, no. Candy corn is delicious. Candy corn is del- not delicious. How, you, how do you, you like you, candy you, corn? You, you, you're, you're, you're the same people probably telling me that Nickelback's not a good group. And, and I hear all these people that bash Nickelback, and I guarantee they... they Jesus, they, dude. Ath- dude, like apples and oranges, man. Like No, 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 no. Here's what I'm like saying. It's like two plus there's two fish. I know. I, every time there's a ball of candy, cane, uh, candy, candy corn, someone goes and eats it. Like, it, it, it doesn't just sit out there. It's like it's the same thing. Someone's buying Nickelback records. Someone's eating candy corn. It's pretty simple on that. That's my logic on that. That's the weirdest. I did, uh, when I started this question, I had no idea that Nickelback was going to enter into this conversation. I, I, I and I'll say because people like Nickelback, they don't. It's just, it's just people Nickelback, don't like Nickelback's embraced the whole people, fact. This whole meme people don't want to admit they like Nickelback. They don't want to like, admit they like candy corn. You might not like candy bear. I believe it when you say you don't like candy corn. But I can I can say about half the people. Because I'm an honest and gen, I'm an honest and genuine. But all these other, I my wife now my wife likes candy corn. It's absolutely right. disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, bear. This is funny because this is our sixth year that we're doing the show. We kicked off tonight. And we're talking mm-hmm. about candy corn and Nickelback. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, it's good. The it's show's a, come a long way. It's yeah, come a long no, way. No, so. it's all, it's all we'll, good. We'll, uh, we'll bring, next week we'll bring up Uncle Cracker, and then people can really lose their yeah, shit. Yeah, so. exactly. Oh boy, Uncle Cracker. You, you know, just um, it's interesting though, but we we haven't we haven't had a show since the seventeenth of May, but we've had a lot going on. Like I was on vacation, then you were on vacation, um, so. We do two shows a month. It I got double like a, pneumonia. I you got double pneumonia. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, you got double. Bear gets double. He got double pneumonia the day after you did the five year show. You, okay. like you pulled. You pulled your Willis Reed that night because you were starting to feel a little that night. I think, in in the you know, and you kind of muscled through that show. I I did, but it was a fantastic one, man. It was a great one. Yep. It was epic. Yep. So. yep. All right. Hey, hey. Before we bring on our guest, because I always forget to do this, right? I'm going to do the contest right up front. All right. Good this way we can this way we go spend all the time with the guests we need. All right. So I want to just say something again to our audience. You guys are terrible at hashtags. Okay. And you're we, terrible. The, the, and you're terrible. It needs you to like be hash, like the, hashtag Nickelback needs to be the hashtag tonight. I don't we'll give do, a shit okay, what the we'll contest do, Okay. It's we'll hashtag, hashtag Nickelback. Okay. It's hashtag Nickelback. But let me say something else. How many times do I have to tell people you only can enter the contest with one answer? You put two answers out there. You might as well not answer. Last bear last week when we did the Steve Saka ashtray, you know how many answers I had to knock out. I and here's the thing: I'm not trying to be like Jack Taranya says. I'm mean. I was about in the this. chat group. I saw the answers. It was like it was like watching like someone throwing out lotto numbers. Yeah, it was, it, it was horrible, right? And here's the thing, guys: it's not Jack Taranya says I'm mean. No, I'm not mean. I can't tell which answer you meant is the right one. That's the reason why it's not. Fair. No, blame it. Blame it on Facebook, guys. Like honestly, like if you it's go Facebook. back and try to say, if yeah. you go back and try to sift through live comments. Yeah, it's like, tough. Listen, listen. I mean, for all the bullshit that we talk about with Facebook and stuff, this is a yeah. great platform. Yeah. It allows us to it allows us to commune with you. It allows us to have this audience, and we're really grateful for it. But strategically speaking, on on a contest level, it sucks because your answers do get. You know, you're, they do get garbled because of, for whatever reason, they 
they they don't know what a numbering system is right so they can't go in, they can't go in order that would just make sense so yeah okay so hashtag nickelback that's that's what you got to start with guys what is the question coop actually what is what is the prize what are we winning all right so because the question i actually i think i asked it already i just looked at it so let me pull up the prize here because it's another one of the saint louis ray prize packs which have been extremely popular uh with our audience like people have been wanting these so and someone who just got the pack was actually raving about the um, the bag. So, and by the way, you can enter and win a second time with this contest. All right, do you see it? It's wow. it's the bottle of Doers. It's the Saint Louis Ray. It's not just one of those tote bags. It's kind of like a what is kind of like a. Oh, I thought you're gonna. I thought you're gonna try to. I thought you're gonna pull your best. Just your best pronunciation out but you just went to the Carenius. Carenius. Hey, that's good that's getting better Coop. i'm getting better I'm really proud of you yep Carenius. uh you get the uh the flat the cost flask which uh if you're into that um okay and then i think the really cool thing is that bottle opener on the lower right tell uh, you the bag did the bag is money like it's the most underrated thing yeah, the bag, the bag. It, like I said, it looks like one of those like supermarket, super, super, supermarket totes. It's not. Okay, it's a really cool bag. Trust me. Um, it um, it is a uh, it's very durable. It's got how you, it's kind of like a backpack, would you say? Right. I'm not. Yeah, it's a backpack. I'm not sure how many how long I've had it. I've had mine, but I mean, I, I use it every weekend. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So the question tonight. What year? Did the St. Louis Way Carinas get released? Hashtag Nickelback. So you, what year was the St. Louis Ray Carinas released in? Hashtag right. Nickelback. We're gonna do this again, guys. Ready? One here answer, guys. One. One answer. One, One answer. answer. Okay. Here we go. If you're anywhere but the cigar coop feed, you need to stop what you're doing and click on that little button at the top and come to the cigar coop. Yeah. Facebook page, and you want to do it in the Facebook feed on the Cigar Coop page. Yeah. Okay. Step number one. Step number two, you open up another tab and you go to Google and you Google Cigar Coop, which you really don't have to because it's cigar coop.com. That's easier, but I make, you know, because people don't do websites anymore. They don't type in websites because that's so, you know, right, 1999. But anyway, you Google, it's the first choice that pops up. You're going to click into Cigar Coop. When you get into the Cigar Coop website, you're going to go into the little search key on the right hand side. Right hand side, and you're gonna type that word in Carenius. That's all you're gonna type in. You don't have to type in Saint Louis Ray. You don't even have to like, do I put the ST period? Do I spell out the word Saint? None of that bullshit. Carenius. You're gonna sp- you're gonna spell it out in the search key. It's gonna pop up. The first article is gonna tell you when it was released. My God, it's so simple. The year. The year. And by the way, and get the bottle. I'm gonna give you an example. 1967, which is not the answer. Don't put 1970, 1967. Hashtag Nickelback. <laughs> Guys, please. One right answer is only. I, I'm, I mean, you guys, the guys who entered the Steve Saka contest, I'm, I don't know if it was everyone on here. It was it was embarrassing how many. I, I kept pulling names and I saw duplicate entries. It, it was embarrassing. He's like, out, you're out. I mean, so you might as well not. Submit. All you have to do, if you do want to change your answer, you have you can delete your comment. You can edit your comment, but you can't put a second comment. That's that's because it doesn't sort right. So you honestly don't know what the answer is. And, and, you know, Jack Carano will say I'm mean about it. If you want to say I'm mean about it, I, I got to have some structure in there, guys. We're giving away pretty good prizes here. So, yeah. All right. 
So Mark, Mark 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 Van Sledrich trying to remind everyone that his his hashtag game is strong, which is true. Oh, Mark Mark Mark's Mark's got the A game. In. Mark is A game. I never have to worry about Mark. I wish I could give Mark the prizes every week sometimes, but I obviously can't do that. But um, you know, but yeah, Mark's Mark's hashtag. But oh man, for the soccer ashtrays bear, I was embarrassed. I really was embarrassed. Guy, and here's the thing, people, because Saka made me give a hard question on top of that. So that's what made it difficult. He made was it? I didn't think it was hard. Most, I knew it was six well, and two. Like that was like as soon as you wrestled to, it off, I was like six and two. If you went, to I didn't go to the. No, that's bullshit. I didn't go to the show. I wasn't there at the show. Yeah, but Barry, you 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 follow this a lot closer. It, that was a tough question. Mm, and okay. people said five and three. You know, people wanted to change it, right? And then they then they they put their answers out, and then when they hear go to Cigar Coop to get the answer. They realize they're wrong, right? Just to get your other answer. I don't mind that because I don't check this until after the show's over. So as long as there's only one answer from you out there. Sounds good. All right. Sounds let's, good. Hey, let's get our no. guest in, Bear. Absolutely. Let's do it. You want to you introduce him? It would be my honor. Yep, absolutely. I, I knew you'd want to because I, I, I bumped you with Nick Perdomo a couple weeks ago, and I, I still feel, feel bad, bad about it. You still feel, still bad, feel about bad about it. Yeah, so, so go ahead, man. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's with that. It's both our pride and it's our pleasure. And it's also our privilege uh, to welcome back not only uh, an esteemed gentleman, but a firm supporter of the show, a grand supporter of the industry and a resurrector of a historic family brand. Please put your hands together. It is Michael Harklotz. Michael, welcome back to primetime. How about it? And I want to add one other thing, Bear. A very cl- good personal friend who has been there for me several times over the last few months. So I want to add that in there too. Thank you very much, Michael. Family's family, bro. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was very much appreciated. It's not forgotten. Yeah. I'm glad we're here tonight. How about absolutely. It? Absolutely. Now, we, I think we need to clarify a couple of things. First, candy corn is disgusting. Okay. Second, hey, just man. because someone does not like candy corn does not mean they hate Nickelback. You have applied an, an entirely millennial identity politics uh, blanket approach to that. You know what I mean? That's right. like, you know, if I like dogs, I hate cats. And if I hate cats, then I'm a vegetarian. If I'm a vegetarian, then I hate guns. And then before you know it, you know, so you can uh, like Nickelback. You can hate candy corn and you can love peeps. I'm not that, is, big, that is America. I, I'm not a big Don't marshmallow say. guy with the peeps. That's the reason why. Whatever it is. I, I like looking at why. peeps. They're cool. But you I've gone to, to. Tell me why. I have thrown Halloween parties. I've been to Halloween parties. I've been to Halloween weddings. And the candy corn always goes. It's not That's like it's great. sitting there. It's not like it's sitting the, there. The question wasn't, is is candy corn a successful <laughs> candy? Clearly, yeah. Clearly, yes, yes. Of course it is. For me, it tastes like vomit. But that's it. You know, okay. no big deal. We all have our thing. Anyway, let's get to it, huh? Ferry Otago. Fair, yeah. It is June. Can you believe it? Six months into the year already? I like I can't believe it. And you know, it's it seems like I remember we had you on the show, Aaron and I. This is a year and a half ago. And we knew that was when you had finished the journey at Nat Sherman. We we sensed something was going on. We, we, we didn't have any idea, right, until, until you and I spoke at the beginning of 2021. But, you know, we, we sensed it wasn't the end for you, clearly. Um, and, Mike, I think you have – I have to say, I'm trying to think of another example of this. 
but is there anyone who ever had to liquidate an inventory of product and then start it all over again in the cigar industry? Like you had to do. With I don't think brands. Not with the same I mean, brand. Same brand. Yeah, I've right. never seen that. Coop, um, and I don't want this to sound um, egotistical because it's, it's not the point I'm trying to make. But but the when you add the entirety of what Ferriotego is, there isn't another example of it. There just can't be. I mean, it's it's just so many different, completely unique circumstances that have that have all kind of aligned to allow Ferriotego to occur the way it has. Um, so I don't think there is another example. There's, there's other great stories in the industry, obviously, but I, I feel very fortunate that ours is a very unique story and hopefully one that people can remember and people can retell. Yeah. I think it's the story. I think it's the story, Michael. I mean, tell me how you feel about this. Like, I think it's the story that gets talked, that gets made up at cigar shops. It gets made up like on a Facebook thread. Like, wouldn't it be cool if like, you know, because I mean, it is the full circle, right? It goes from the Sherman family, you know, goes to corporate, you know, goes to corporate America, goes back to small business. You know, the, 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 the guy who ran it, you know, the guy who ran it and elevated the brand for its last half decade plus last decade plus. So it's, it's storybook, bro. It really is. Um, I feel very, very fortunate that, um, that things have aligned, you know, but to be honest, and we've told this story multiple times, the cigar shop casual, wouldn't it be nice if that's precisely how this started. I mean, that (laughs) is like actually exactly how it started was, should we take a shot? And we did take a shot and Altria was very gracious um, in, in allowing us to engage in an offer. And ultimately our offer was the one that was accepted and away we go. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's funny, Mike, because during, by the way, we're only, this is what's crazy. We are as of now only eight months in business. Yeah. And it feels, so I think for some, it feels a lot longer. I was talking to someone the other day and he said, but it's been way longer than that. Well, we've been talking about it, but to your point, Coop, we spent an entire year having to rebuild, reprint, remake, reblend everything from scratch. So the fact that we were able to do that in a year, you know, that also speaks volumes to the amount of work that everyone did. Quesada, Placencia, Davidoff Honduras, Davidoff USA, Cigar Rings, Humidif Group. I mean, there were a lot of stakeholders who were all totally invested and committed um, in seeing Ferriotego to market and keeping us there. Yeah. So, so Michael, I'm going to assume when you shut, when, when, when Nat Sherman shut down, you know, those, those agreements with those manufacturing partners ended, right? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe they thought in the back of their mind, he, you might come back or this might come back. How easy was it to have those conversations like in January when you announced you're coming back that to get those all because you got all your manufacturing partners right back on board, I think, which was key for you moving forward. Full transparency. And I I don't remember if we shared this prior, but by the time we had closed, we at least knew that we were in the running. 
Um, and so because we were constantly in touch with all of our manufacturing partners all the time, part of those conversations were, um, this you might know, happen. Right. Do me a favor and sit tight. And this is confidential. And we will let you know one way or the other. And we knew it was happening before the end of the year. We closed um, before the end of the year. So we were able to talk to all the factories before they shut down for holidays and said, okay, the deal is done. Let's regroup in January and uh, figure out what to do next. Yep. And what I thought was really cool as well, and we talked about this back in December of when we had you on the Thursday show, you know, there was a lot of transparency. You showed us in what it was like to bring a brand. I don't want to say shut a business down, but kind of bring closure to a, to a brand like Nat Sherman. I mean, it was, it was done with class dignity we talked about. And now we got to see the flip side of that starting in January, the birth of a company, the launch of a company. And you mentioned it was eight months before you even shipped the product. But I think because we were along with you on that journey, Michael, um, as you started ramping up Ferry Otago, I think it feels like that's why people feel like you've, you've been in business a lot longer. And really, these brands didn't disappear. Like they, yes, they yes they were sold out from the Nat Sherman inventory, but they were always they've been in the in forefront. Market. They've been in, yeah, they've been in the market. Right. Yeah, it's it's been, um, you know, and it's a different experience for each retailer and each consumer, depending on what their awareness was before, when they started enjoying cigars. I mean, I, I've met a lot of people just in the last 10 months that I've been in market who have only started smoking during COVID and, and weren't even really familiar with Nat Sherman right. or the story. So for them, this is a, you know, a very aggressive startup with nine blends. And they're like, hold, slow down. Like, what is all this? Right. So, you know, it, it means different things to different people, depending on their sort of entry point and, and awareness. Um, but uh, it, yeah, it's been, it's been great. And I've, I've really been grateful. And, and I've said this bear on your show too. There, there truly has been just um, overwhelming enthusiasm and, and a genuineness to the way people are rooting for us. And we certainly feel that. And, and we feel um, really compelled to deliver on that. You know, if that many people are cheering for you, you really don't want to let people down. And so that's, you know, just further, uh, further push for us to continue to build the company the right way, do it thoughtfully, do it tastefully, do it deliberately, um, and do it for the long term. Nope. Very, very good. And then along the way, you know, you have to get a, a, uh, a sales team going and you basically are able to get one of the best sales teams out there. Uh, for sales and, you know, with Davidoff, I mean, that, that's, that kind of had a bit of sign of relief because, you know, some of the, you know, hiring sales staff is expensive. Broker models have its own complicated things around that, but, but here you are, you, you, you're able to kind of tap right into Davidoff with that, um, which is a great thing for you. That once again, stars aligning, they were already a manufacturing partner for, for since they purchased, um, Aroa family's business um, in Honduras, they were already manufacturing for Nat Sherman. I worked for them for nine years in New York. And so literally my last day at Davidoff, New York City, 
my first day at Nat Sherman, I picked up the phone and called Davidoff USA and spoke to JT and said, okay, let's start talking about host and how are we going to move forward with these blends and what are we going to do? So my, my working relationship with JT, for example, at Davidoff goes back to when we acquired or when they acquired um, Kusano, which is when he started with Davidoff. My relationship oh, yeah. with Dylan goes back to when he started with Christian, which was probably 2006 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so these, these relationships, you know, they've, they've just been so strong for so long and, and we've always rooted for one another, even if we didn't work directly with each other, we stayed friends, we, we stayed in touch. And so trying to solve for that distribution solution, um, I was talking to Davidoff regularly, letting them know what we were working on. And then finally they said, well, why don't we see if maybe we're a fit? And then as we went down that road, lo and behold, it was the perfect fit. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, you've done a, you did a lot of, you, know, you took a lot of opportunity to, to educate, you know, consumers and everything over the past year, in particular at last year's trade show, but over the last year and everything, was it, um, was it really eye-opening as it, it kind of was for me? I'm just making this a little personal, but kind of making it relative. Was it eye-opening for a lot of, uh, a lot of customers before product was released to market about what exactly your intention were? Because I got to admit, I was, I was, I mean, you corrected me in my, in my very interview with you in the booth when I said, oh, you're bringing Nat Sherman back to something. And you're like, Barrett, it's, it's, it's Ferriotego. Um, you know, it's the, it's the brands, but it will be, it'll be under Ferriotego. We wouldn't see the name Nat Sherman again, necessarily. Um, was it, was it, was it an interesting conversation? Was it an eye-opening conversation for a lot of people like myself? What was that experience like for people that you were talking to? I think again, it goes a bit back to what is the perception that that person is bringing to the table? So, um, uh, longer tenured enthusiasts who know the whole story and are most familiar with seeing these brands as Nat Sherman brands have a much harder time detaching Nat Sherman from them. The, the newer hobbyists who have been smoking for a handful of years and maybe started as this was sort of unfolding, uh, I think they see these products as, as Ferri Otego um, sort of naturally. Um, you know, I anticipated that there would be some level of confusion and that there would always need to be an even greater level of um, uh, reminding folks and not to be rude or insensitive, but just, you know, we've worked really hard to build Ferri Otego as a brand. And so I'm, I'm proud of the brand. And so it's, I don't mean to be, uh, if it comes across as rude, I certainly don't mean to be, but I think it's very important, especially in this early stage that we all just get used to um, the, the, the new legacy for these brands under Ferri Otego, which in and of itself now is this brand new brand. Well, how about yourself then? Like, so like, how cool was that the first time that you said you talked to some of these new smokers that had just talked to COVID? They don't know anything. They don't know about the history and everything that you, you spent, you know, a decade of your career over uh, talking about and building up and everything. And like you said, you want to start this new thing and you want that, you know, like you want us to be part of that. But how cool was that the first few times that you heard that from someone? Like they didn't know what, bro, they didn't I, know what the other brand was. I've been, or they, or they did, but they've only known the brand since I've been there. 
Right. That's the other thing too. There are some people who knew Metropolitan and old Nat Sherman brands from the legacy stage before 2011 when I joined, like pre-Timeless, for example. So post-Timeless, you know, I was fortunate that I got to be in front of the brand for many years. Um, And so, you know, I'll I'll run into people in markets and they'll say, oh man, you know, your cigar is what got me into this. And I'm like, well, how long have you been enjoying cigars? And they're like, eight years. You know, Timeless was my first one, which really makes me feel old, although incredibly proud. But, but to think that now there are premium cigar enthusiasts who, who only know Nat Sherman as what it was post-Timeless and now are so enthusiastic about the, the continuation under Ferio, as well as really excited about Ferio now being you know, a, a, a new small family business that, that I co-own with my partner. I, I think there's, again, right, real genuine, genuine excitement about it. And people feel people feel connected to it, you know. Yeah, that's that's very true, Michael. So you know, we'll get to the limited cigars in a little bit, right? But you know, I, I get asked a lot about, and, and Barrett, we get asked a lot about, like, you know, Ferretero, how are they doing? What do you think is the success? And I've always come back, and and you could disagree with me this to some extent if you want, but. I've said the key to your success is going to be the reestablishment of these core brands. How would you respond to that? Is that a true? Am I answering that accurately or inaccurately? At least the short term, at least your short term. I guess it depends. Um, I mean, look, we acquired the brands for a reason. Should any of those brands fail, I would consider it a failure. Yeah. But I would not that the success of Ferio Tego is not contingent on the success of any one blend or, or sub brand, let's say. Right. Um, I would, I would not say that that is true. Okay. Uh, And one of the interesting things that we're watching as we've rolled these brands out is just how um, the pieces of pie have evolved. So if you look at the historical, um, um, distribution of brands in the total pie of what Nat Sherman was, what percent was host, what percent was Metropolitan Connecticut, what percent was Timeless Prestige, etc. cetera. The, the, the pie for Ferio Tego was never intended to be the same as it was before. Mm-hmm. The, the intent for Ferio Tego is to make sure that those pieces of pie are in fact different. Um, so what I can say is that our rollout plan, the cadence in which we did it, um, the order, so not just timing from a cadence perspective, but specifically the order of what went first and what went next, all of that has proven to be successful in um, not reestablishing, but creating Ferriotego and then offering Timeless and then finally offering once again Metropolitan. Um, now, I've heard you say that in multiple conversations, um, and I've always appreciated your point, but I would, the, my immediate thought every time I heard you say it was um, it's certainly important. And the good news is we certainly will be successful in all of those brands, and we've already proven that now. Um, 
but the way you you tended to say it led me to believe that you thought it was our success was contingent, and that's that's the one sort of that's line a fair, that I would draw. I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair, fair retort you give me on that, Mike, for sure. Um, I guess I was be, and maybe I'm thinking more core lines because. You know, I said the limiteds are the limiteds, and I and I know people get excited about limiteds, but but every strong company has strong core lines. I think you have a big advantage that you kind of came in with some very tried and true core lines, which which gives you as a company a unique advantage out of the gate. It once again, we we fortunately have many unique advantages. Now, those unique advantages also come with very unique challenges, as you pointed out. So we have two established brands with nine legacy blends. That's a great advantage, except you have to produce an opening order sufficient enough to allow those brands to be established at a sufficient demand level, right? We're We're not creating core from scratch. So to have a startup company that needs to put in opening orders with factories that by the way were already at maximum capacity in January of 2021 yep. when we put in our orders we're not ordering 30 boxes 50 boxes 80 boxes and 100 boxes and slow rolling into market we had to build up an inventory that was sufficient enough to say when Davidoff USA announces that the metropolitan host is back in market we need to satisfy what we hoped would be that demand. Right. So, yes, it's a unique advantage. But, bro, let me tell you, that is one hell of a unique challenge, too. Oh, my goodness. When you say that, I mean, it's, it's like, well, you know, you're not just going to be basically. I, I've heard of, you know, the, the notion of on demand you know, fulfillment. Now, obviously, that's that's not going to work with Davidoff. You're right. You know, not only it won't, it won't work with Davidoff, it won't work with those brands. Yeah. When, when Nat Sherman closed, um, let's say on the 10-year arc, when we had our own in-house sales force, um, we were in about 1,200 stores around the country. So the assumption is if half of those stores, if a third of those stores were interested in supporting Ferry Otego, that's 400 stores that we need to be prepared to accept their orders, right? And if, yeah. we, if we can't and we, we fail and back order on the first order, we're done. We're dead in the water. And to your point, the, the um, comments would have been crystal clear. Ah, they failed. They couldn't do it. Right. So the amount of preparation together with Davidoff that we had to do and the factories to make sure that we had a warehouse sufficient enough with inventory to satisfy what we forecasted would be our opening orders. That was a tremendous investment. It was a tremendous amount of logistics. It was just and don't forget, we manufacture in three all three countries. Which is awfully unique for a company our size, never mind a company of our age. So we had to do logistics in Honduras and Dominican and Nicaragua and printing materials from Dominican and boxes in Nicaragua with materials from Asia, all to put those together to get nine blends and 42 SKUs, not to mention the two Ferriotego limited editions positioned in Pinellas Park to ship in October. Wow. But the, but 
we did it. And you so did. now you did a good in, job. Yeah. I mean, as, that's of, a- as of my last count, we're approaching 800 stores, um, which, you know, in, in eight months of being in business, 800 stores is a absolute dream come true. That's, that's amazing. Coop. So you, Coop and I work, live in a sales world, right? That's a hundred closes a month. If you average well, it don't out, forget, obviously though, that Ferio, Tego, Eleganzi and Generoso released in October. And immediately it was, I think 300 accounts that brought that in. And we, we, when I did this, and I've said, I've told you this story before, but when I started the Ferio project, the idea was that I could do these two limited editions. And if I ordered enough, I'd be able to sell them in a year and then hopefully make enough money where I could try and then, you know, start something more established. Right. So Ferio Tego Elegancia Generoso 2021, the plan was I can bang on enough doors throughout the course of a year to sell these to get rolling. Then we ended up acquiring the brands. So that changed things. We needed a distribution solution. By the time we got to the Davidoff solution and the Ferriotego, Elegancia and Generoso were ready, my fears changed from how am I going to sell these cigars in a year to how are we going to allocate this first production without upsetting people? Yeah. Uh, and that was, a, that was a challenge in and of itself. The good news is we're very close to the 2022s being released. And uh, fortunately, we were able to make uh, more of those than the 2021s. And so we have a very clear plan on how to allocate those in a, in a much more um, uh, methodical, thoughtful way. And um, so I'm looking forward to that happening. That's good. That's Michael. Really good. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no go, please finish your thought. I'm done. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, not to back up too much here, Michael. So we talked about how right now you're in 800, 300 instantly purchased Ferry Otego. You, you worked so hard and diligently on that first order that you talked about, like logistically forecasting and everything. What was that first order? How many stores was that? It was about 300 stores. 300. So what? Wow. Jeez. Okay. That was done, that was done without taking orders at our trade show. Right, right. You because you didn't take orders at the trade That was all done grassroots. Well, that was done via Davidoff USA. Right. I mean, but yeah, it was still. But yes, grassroots. It was yeah. uh, introducing this. But you know, Davidoff is so they have such infrastructure, and they're and they're so um, they're so organized that we were able to do you know appropriate um, lead up communications. We were able to do virtual. Um, retailer summits where we could walk people through what the brands are. And we did the same with Timeless. So it was done so thoughtfully with that infrastructure um, that it was a huge, huge help to letting people know what was coming and tell the story to a wide audience. Um, And then having such an incredible sales team like the Davidoff USA team, you know, I mean, they are certainly among the best of the biz. I would never disparage some of the other great, great sales associations that are out there. But there's no question Davidoff's um, sales team is truly among the best in the biz. And so, you know, like the true professionals they are, they went out and advocated for this new and exciting brand that they're that they're representing. 
And Michael, you shared with me, you did a lot of education, but you just shared it again. You did a lot of education. It wasn't like you just threw these new SKUs into a catalog and gave it to the reps. There was a lot of time put into that. And I know you shared some of that with me and you just talked about it now. And I think that's a, no matter how good the sales team is, that's a key thing to do. I mean, it's very important to do with this. That's actually proving to be um, even more important than I imagined it would be, to be honest. Yeah. Which is why I've been on the road the last, uh, whatever, four or six weeks pretty heavily. And I'm, it's pretty much, I'm on the road every week from now to the end of August. But that's what has to be done. Right. And, and you know, we didn't buy this company or buy these brands and form this company to, to put our feet up and, uh, and, you know, check the box and somehow think that we made it. We're, we're starting from scratch. We don't, we don't take any previous customer as a lock. We are starting from scratch. Ferriotego is a brand new proposition. And thank God we have the support of Davidoff to get that message out wider, faster. But nevertheless, this is my company. It's Brendan's company. And that means that we have to go out and we have to say thank you and we have to shake hands and we have to ask for the sale if we're not getting it. We have to say thank you for the sale when we get it. And we have to support the sale if it's there and it needs help. Yeah. And all three of those things exist right now across our 800 stores. And so we're doing the best we can as two owners to get out there and do those types of things and do as much additional kind of, uh, you know, 2021 level support, whether it's lives or virtual events or just engaging on social media, whatever it takes, we're, we're doing. So, Michael, you, as, you, as you just illustrated, like everything was so very carefully planned and forecasted logistics were so well executed and everything you had to, obviously, you and Brendan had to come up with a a game plan that mirrored that one of these core lines, one of these, one of these things was going to be the leader out of the gate. So I'm curious, were you guys right? Is, is the, the leader out of the clubhouse so far into the business? Is it, is it the one that y'all anticipated or was it something that completely caught you off guard and there's another oh, one that's meaning, doing better? Um, I see what you mean. Leading it from a volume standpoint. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm asking it a different way, Michael, because because again, like you said, the situation is so unique. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you had it planned, and obviously you planned it so well. Like I'm, I'm curious if if y'all guessed right, if y'all forecasted right, um, or if something think, caught you off guard and was like, "Wow, no. this is great. This is a pleasant surprise." I'll, I'll tell you, our the the most pleasant surprise um, was in the early releases after Ferio. We led with um, Timeless Prestige and Sterling, and mm-hmm. Sterling. Um, which we actually uh, reduced the the retail price on that slightly. Um, Sterling was always a bit of a Thank struggle. You. You're welcome. Sterling was always a bit of a struggle for us, as was Panamericana, funny enough. Yeah. Um, the volume contribution of Sterling and Panamericana to our total, going back to the pieces of pie, Sterling and Panamericana are a surprisingly significantly larger piece of pie than what we had initially forecasted. In fact, the only blend that we have ever gone back stock on has been sterling and it, thank god it was only for three or four weeks um and it was only on a couple skews but the the um the uh excitement for um sterling caught us off guard a bit but we led with those intentionally um because ferriotego obviously flagship timeless 
were all the blends that I had developed after. Once we get into Metropolitan, I developed two of those, but three of those were legacy. The assumption was that the legacy brands of Metropolitan would likely be a larger contribution. And therefore we wanted to make sure that we reestablished thoughtfully the things that needed the most attention um, out of the gate. And so that strategy of leading with the company name, leading with the new umbrella, and then thoughtfully positioning Timeless um, below uh, Ferriotego with Sterling and Panamericana directly under Ferio, Prestige and Supreme slightly under them. And then in January, rolling out um, uh, Metropolitan once everyone had a chance to breathe. Don't forget, we started the first week of October and we launched every three or four, three weeks or something into the middle of November. Then it's the holidays, everyone is busy. So we stopped and we waited for Metropolitan until uh, mid-January until we got after the holiday hump in order to give people a little time to win with the brands that they were already supporting and then make room through the holidays for space on their shelves to bring in Metropolitan. Um, but really, um, you know, we're, we're learning every day. And I don't know if I can truly answer the question until probably another year from now when we really understand what our actuals are from a reorder standpoint, from a steady rhythm of business standpoint, where we're not always including in our rhythm first fill spikes, right? Every time we get a new customer, that's a first fill push. 12 SKUs, four boxes deep, a couple to show, some to go. That's a, that's a different rhythm than once everyone has everything on display, what does that look like from a, from a regular flow of business, regular flow of, of inventory? So we're still going to learn that. My, my suspicion is that it will probably be another year until we really kind of get to that um, maybe first plateau. And then I think that'll really give us a sense for um, what's really winning, what's exceeding expectations, and what, what things might need a little extra push. Michael, I might have been reading into an answer that you said um, just a few moments ago. And if I am, I apologize. Um, but it sounded like that there was the Ferry Otego was 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 going to be the journey, whether you got the brands or not. Was that a correct assumption or that's that was eventually my my conclusion. So okay. I certainly and I spoke to um, Coop about this, I think, on on a show quite some time ago and Abe as well, you know, I explored all options. I really felt like I owed that to myself to see what else was out there in the industry, outside of the industry. Um, but fortunately for my, the, I don't have to tell you all, our industry is so special and, and there's just such genuine camaraderie and goodness in people. Um, the number of people who said, you have to do your own thing. I mean, that was the overwhelming feedback I got from other brand owners, um, salespeople, customers, shop owners. Everyone said, you should do your own thing. And so quickly, Ferriotego became the, the plan A. It was just a very different model than what it has become. So why was it so important for you? And if it was a collective decision, please include this. But why was it so important for you or, or you both? 
to bring back these brands? Is that a silly question? But no. I'm, I'm just. Um, it was. It was. It was uh, emotional. We. I, I think I've used this analogy before, and I may have done it on this show, so I apologize to those who have heard it. But as long as it doesn't include Nickelback, we're fine. <laughs> or candy corn. <laughs> when I when I started in 2011, it was very clear, and the Shermans, you know, were were very uh, humble that they really were not happy with the state of their premium cigar business at that time, which is why they hired me in the first place. And the brand had just celebrated 80, 81 years and we got to work and we did everything we possibly could to build those, build the brand up to be strong and to be relevant. And, and we did that. In fact, we did it so well, we did an 85th anniversary tour around the country and raised money for charities. And then we continued that into 2017. In fact, even after the acquisition, we doubled down with some of our new offerings, doing limited editions into 18 and 19. And then obviously circumstances out of our control um, led Altria to make the obviously hard decision to exit the premium cigar business and that included the retail store, but gave us the opportunity to sell. And so that was such a, a, a personal charge because it would allow the, it would allow the legacy to go on. It would allow the work to continue. Um, you know, you work hard for this stuff with the thought that it lives on forever, particularly when you're talking about core brands. I mean, these are brands that, that, you know, I heard stories for years that, that people came in and bought, Metropolitan because their father smoked Metropolitan or their grandfather smoked Metropolitan. And so there, I felt a, a real personal responsibility in those nine years through Nat Sherman. When we failed to sell, as devastating as that was, it was also a bit cathartic in that I knew we were putting the period at the end of the sentence of the final sentence of the final chapter and would close the book and the brands would not live on that that was it and it was over. Um, however, there was a tremendous amount of interest, as you can imagine, even after we concluded the process and announced that we were closed, um, there was a lot of interest in parties wanting to buy the brands. And I've shared on many interviews that the brands were never contemplated for sale by themselves. The brands were always contingent on being included on the whole deal, um, that it would be the best outcome for people, mutually beneficial for buyer and seller, and the greatest stewards to continue the legacy of the brands. That was the criteria for the transaction going back to 2019, and we failed to do it. However, because there was so much interest, um, there was kind of a, a, a forced hand that then they were compelled to consider those offers. And once we learned that there were offers being considered, then it was a very, very emotional um, reaction because then all of a sudden it wasn't, it wasn't the final chapter. Now you're telling me that maybe th these brands do live on, but now someone else is writing the sequel. And that became just personally um, a very, very difficult pill to swallow. Um, 
it was it was really it's very difficult to describe how personal that felt. And so even though Ferry Otego was kind of I was in the early stages doing it and Brendan and I were talking all the time about what he was thinking about, what I was thinking about. Once we learned that there may be an opportunity, um, I reached out to make sure that there was an opportunity. And um, the folks at corporate said, if you are serious, you need to get serious. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm dead serious. And I called Brendan and we put together a, a really a plea, nothing but a plea for consideration while we were able to formulate an offer. And they were generous enough to give us some time where we could put together a thoughtful offer. And I would say after a week or two of them looking at the offers, now we were out of the process because we had put in an offer. So we couldn't be part of that conversation. Uh, they came back and said, look, you guys put in a thoughtful offer. And more importantly, you are absolutely the right people to carry on the legacies of these brands that obviously not only did you work so hard to build, but clearly mean so much to you. Yep. And then we got to pen to paper and we created a, a, a deal that made sense. Um, that was crystal clear that we also were drawing the fine, that very, very clear line that Nat Sherman is gone, that we're not trying to hold on to that legacy. We, we, we embrace the legacy historically, but we do not use that legacy in marketing. We don't try and get cute. We don't even blur that line, which is why it was so important that all of the inventory was exhausted and every product moving forward clearly, clearly, clearly says for Ferry Otego. And that was something that I think we all had a great deal of comfort in. And having worked with them for, for as many years as I did, um, we also had a tremendous amount of respect for each other. We had a great working relationship and, and a very high level of trust um, that what we were saying is what we intended. And, uh, and off we went. It was just, that's a long way of answering your question, Bear, but it's, um, it, it was just, it was like something was, someone was going to take something that was mine, even though it wasn't mine. And there was, there was nothing I could do about it until I thought maybe there was something I could do about it. And then we did something about it. You just verbalized exactly, exactly my, my thought process when this was all going down. Um, watching, you know, watching, um, yeah, it wasn't yours, but watching you sell away your company and then ultimately get it back was like you said, it was, it was storybook. Well, the, the, the day, I mean, like my last video of putting the key in the door, um, and walking out, I remember leaving feeling great because it was all done right. You know, I knew it was done and the legacy would live on in people's memories and no one could have a bad taste in their mouth for or, or in their mind for what we accomplished in 10 years, in 90 years. Um, but to think that that maybe down the road, someone might say 15 years from now, oh, that timeless sucks. You know, and there, there's lots of brands that have changed hands that have gone from the top of people's minds to the bottom of people's hearts. Um, and, and the idea that that could happen 
Not that it would have happened, but the fact that it could have happened really just fired something up in us that we said, all right, let's, let's go see if we can pull this off. Michael, you talked a little bit about going back to 2011. I remember when you got the job at Nat Sherman and they, you, like I said, things were not, they, there were a lot of things that needed to be fixed back then. Distribution for sure was one thing. And, you know, I remember I go back again, that first trade show you guys were at and you, you, you were giving us all the test blends to, to try that year. And I, I could, you could see that you guys were really focused on, on, you know, what you were doing. And a year later, less than a year later, Michael, timeless explodes for you. It becomes, it was one of the great stories, Michael. I want to, you know, back in 2011, 12, that launched the launch of timeless. I mean, you think about Things were, like I said, it wasn't in the best shape when you came in there. And certainly that was a, a key part of, I think, what you did to restore Nat Sherman um, and bring it back to its glory. So it's 10 years now, Michael. It's no longer the new brand. It's, it, it, I guess that is your legacy. But to have a brand out there for 10 years, I, I think, says a lot right now. A good core brand, that, that original time, which is the timeless prestige we're talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, any anything like and I'm not asking if you come out with a cigar, but I know it's a little late for the anniversary. But is there anything you're thinking about with Timeless 10th anniversary just from a company standpoint? Because it, it was a huge part of probably why Ferry Ortega was here today, for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is a part of why Ferry Ortega was yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and we are digging deep on what can we do? that is thoughtful um, because 10 years is really something. I mean, we've, you know, in, in my yeah. head, 2011 was officially the launch of timeless, but really it was, it was 2012 that it, that it really went into market. Cause it was late. You came out with it late in the year in 2011. Yeah. We, yeah. we shipped a little bit in November. Right. Uh, and then we actually stopped and, and did the official launch, I think, January, February, if right. I recall. Mm -hmm. So I, I still consider it 2012. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are, um, we just want to, we're, we're, we've, we have put a lot on people's plates. Right. And so how can we thoughtfully celebrate a milestone um, that is, that is ours? Yeah. You know, it is ours. But how do we do that thoughtfully without confusing people, without, um, you know, we're we're certainly talking about how to do something. Yeah. And and so I would I would say for sure this year will not conclude without some some recognition of 10 years of timeless. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, like I said, it to, to me, you know, it's I've been doing this a while now. That was one of the most amazing stories. The, what what, what also, time was in that? Mean, yeah, it, yeah. I I couldn't help throughout this process, but really have like this weird professional deja vu, like starting at PCA last year. I was standing in a bare bones booth. Yeah, with nothing to sell except my booth was filled with people who were happy, happy to hear it. You know, the same thing in 2011, like you remember the energy in our booth. All oh, I had was the samples 
And if you remember, I had the band done and designed, and I had the ad that had my hand like this, mm -hmm. just said timeless on the bottom. And that's all we had. And people are like, so what is it? I'm like, we don't know yet, but it's gonna look like that. And it's gonna feel like that. And we're gonna figure the rest out. I mean, that was July or August of 2011. Yeah. I started in June of 2011. Yep. That was 45 days worth of work. <laughs> and then here we are now, nine years later, I stood in an empty booth that was filled with people who were excited about what we we're doing. We got Ferry Otego out in record time. And by all accounts, it has been a smash success. The, the accolades and I mean, the Cigar Dojo, number one cigar of the year, number three cigar of the year and brand of the year. That, that was, that's outrageous, man. I mean, you know, uh, it, it feels, it feels a lot the same. What I will tell you though, is doing that for Nat Sherman was a real point of pride because so many people um, doubted that we could turn the, um, the equity of that brand around. In fact, if you go to the Cigar Aficionado article that says I'm leaving Davidoff to go to Nat Sherman, all of the comments that are I, still uh, there yes. are like, he's out of his mind. And I, I can I, remember people. I saying, remember that as well. Yeah. I can remember people saying, you know, what are you doing? And I, and I, my answer was always the same. This may not make sense now, but when you see what we do, this will make all the sense in the world. And we did it. And so now here we are eight months in market with Ferry Otego. Ferry Otego 2021's success. Timeless has been a success. Metropolitan is back in those channels where it always won. And I see it engaged every day throughout social media with people. I can't tell you how many people I just get saying thank you. Like true emotional thank you. People posting, smoking their last Nat Sherman hosts with a picture of their box of Ferry Otego hosts because they were saving them because they were afraid they wouldn't have any left. It, it feels a lot the same, but what is so different now is that it's, it's truly ours. We're not doing this on behalf of a company. We're not doing this. I'm not doing this to try and prove myself to my bosses or my employer to prove my worth and, and keep my job. Now this is really establishing this new legacy our legacy, Ferry Otego, as a brand that will hopefully contribute to this industry in a very, very meaningful way for decades to come. You, Michael, you actually hit on a point I was going to hit on, and it was it was the boost this year. Oh, last year, 2021, right? And it was 10 years from that 2011 boost. And I could tell you there was so much excitement when on the video, Bear, you, you guys are looking at the empty box of the Ferry Otegos, right? And, and there was there was a lot of excitement and you know it was viewed and people were were really into it. And you hadn't even shown this product off yet. And it was kind of very similar. I kind of go back to that because I was at that 2011 booth and I remember very well different vibe, obviously, at that booth because uh, it was Nat Sherman as a whole. But but yeah, it, it, it's almost like you came full circle with that. It really feels that way. Yeah. The, all, all we could do was start to give people the feel of the brand 
to start showing people what we had so far and allow people to feel invested in the process. Yeah. That's, that's all we could do. Yeah. So I have, I have to read this now. So I went to the article. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read any negatives one. This, this, but I was just listening to Michael talk a moment ago. And this one is, this one's a positive one. This is shocking to say the least for me, Michael was the face of Davidoff and a good friend to my website. I hope he can do for Nat Sherman what he did for Davidoff. It will take a huge effort. One, one that I have no doubt that one day he will achieve. Ain't that wow. something? I was going to say that's a little foreshadowing there. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 It's dated 2011. Yeah. May, May 12th, May 12th, 2011. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's a, uh... But that's, that's a lot of um, – the only way that happens is because of the generosity of other people. You know what I mean? That, that doesn't happen as a – you can work as hard as you want. That, this stuff doesn't happen just because you work hard. It happens because everybody is working hard and everybody believes in, this, in the vision and everyone is pulling their weight and doing their job and thinking long-term and doing business the right way. And, and that was always the Sherman belief. It was always my belief. It's always been the, the philosophy of our manufacturing partners. Like all of that stuff. If, if, think about the people we work with. I mentioned it before. Quesada, Placencia, Cigar Rings, Davidoff. I, mean, I, I can't think of more above board, re- respectful and respected people than, than those folks, you know, not to mention, look at the retailers who are supporting these, our, our, our portfolio, yeah. whether they did before or do now. You're talking about the best of the best. That's not the biggest of the biggest, although we're fortunate to be supported by some of the biggest too, but you're talking about the best of the best people who really believe in the industry, believe in their business, uh, believe in their customers, deliver service. That's everyone is doing everything right. And when that happens and everyone is wishing the best for everyone. And I feel uh, as responsible for the success of their business as they do responsible for the success of mine, that is the type of, of collaboration and partnership that is only bound for long-term success. Agree. So so Michael, it's impossible to answer like in the long-term, right? But, or, or maybe it, maybe it's not. But at least in the short term, what will be the approach for Ferio Tego? Is this something or where will you be? Is the focus going to be on Ferio Tego branded cigars or the, the brands that were, you know, that were acquired? The focus is both. It's a it's Ferio Tego is the umbrella. Ferio Tego is the the master brand um, that that gives legitimacy and authenticity to all of the other brands and blends. Every cigar that we make is held to the benchmark that has been set by Ferio Tego. And I would suggest that that is a very high bar, what we have established with Ferio Tego. Um, so Metropolitan is a critical part of our portfolio when you look at the entirety of the arc of of the brands and the equity that they represent. Ferio Tego 2021 was $21 per cigar. 
210 for the travel humidor filled with 10 cigars. Now, I recognize that $21 is not an inexpensive investment for a handmade premium cigar. Certainly not the most expensive in our industry, but $21 for anybody is a lot of money. But I also recognize that so is $7. $7 for an hour of enjoyment is a lot of money where we are absolutely laser focused is making sure that we always over deliver on value. We are not going to be the least expensive option in a humidor, but you damn well better be sure that we will over deliver on the quality of that product relative to the price you pay and relative to um, the industry competition. That is a, an, an absolute um, must for me because I, I am a consumer too. I know how I buy other things and I remember how I bought premium cigars as a consumer. And so there is time and place for all of these different things, uh, different price points, different blends, different styles. So I can't possibly grow Ferriotego as our flagship if I somehow permit Metropolitan to flounder. That's, that's, Ferriotego yep. will, will die. That, yeah, I agree with you on that. If Metropolitan does not continue to over deliver, Ferriotego will die if Timeless doesn't continue to over deliver. And how do you do that? Because you have Core. And Core is the heartbeat of the premium cigar industry. And I am a, I am a big fan of limited editions. For me, I believe that limited editions need to ladder to a brand in order to preserve that momentum and equity of the brand. So my philosophy is not necessarily uh, a mean philosophy where every release is new and limited and gone. I believe that these things have to really uh, develop for the long term for the sake of core. But I also believe in core because you need something you can always turn to and you can always depend on, whether it's for you, whether it's for your friends, whether it's for your guests, you need core. And we have a legacy of core. So Metropolitan and Timeless will preserve that legacy of core. We'll, of course, start to work on limiteds within those brands. And then for Ferriotego, Ferriotego right now remains exactly what it was intended to be. Annual limited releases, no different than, than wine is produced. We make what we believe we can sell in one year in these two very unique styles. And once those inventories are exhausted, they are exhausted until the next year's release um, is, is launched. And that, that could be a large gap or it may overlap. It depends on how many we can make and it depends how many are sold. So are these going to be, are, are, will they always be under the, the Elegancia and Generoso name or could they, could they be something different? Well, anything could be. So what I can tell you is certainly for 2022, we are replicating 2021. And so we will relaunch the 2022 uh, Elegancia and Generoso in six by fifties and travel humidors of 10 in, um, in Elegancia that tastes like Elegancia, Generoso that tastes like Generoso. The difference is this is once again, one production for the year. 
and we are blending in like style, but not replicating exact experience, just like wine. We are using the, the, the more or less same tobaccos in largely similar proportions, but understanding that those tobaccos have changed, we're tweaking the blend to, do, to make the best expression of Elegancia and Generoso, not the exact same expression of Elegancia yeah. and Generoso. So if you, if you uh, smoke them right now, the, the 2022s when they release, and you don't have a 2021 of each one to compare it to, it is, it is likely that you will not detect a major difference. If you smoke them side by side next to one that's a year old, uh, you may detect some slight nuanced um, uniqueness. That's precisely what I. That's precisely what I want. Yeah, yeah. You should. <laughs> yeah, you should. You, and Michael, you've. I mean, I got to just say this compliment you since you've come on board with Nat Sherman at least, and then obviously now with Ferry Takeo, your your blends are, are are a model of consistency. I mean, a timeless prestige now smokes like a timeless back in 2012. I I, I don't. I mean. Obviously, like you said, time's going to age some things out differently, but I always feel I know what I'm getting with that. And, and you have been the model of that for That's a three long reasons. time. Yeah. Three reasons. Number one, great partners with great tobaccos. Number two, great manufacturing partners who are committed to the same goal I am of maintaining that consistency. Yeah. And number three, my focus has never been focused on new. My focus has always been focused on maintaining and preserving yeah. and maintaining and preserving always, always, always. Yeah. So even when we closed for a 90 year old company, our portfolio was, was uh, pretty modest from an overall SKU standpoint. And that's because when we brought something to market, we wanted to keep it in market and grow it in market. And, and once again, that is core to my philosophy whether it was Nat Sherman or core to my philosophy is Ferry Otego. We live and die by core. Yeah. Not, not to be too on the nose there, but doesn't, doesn't that make timeless, not only a brand for you, but, but a philosophy. Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, and you know, the other thing, Michael, you said, you said you, you've not been focused on new, Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. I think Metropolitan Albano in 2016 was the last new new one you introduced. So I mean, that's six years. What? It was the last new core. No, that's new core. That's what I mean, you've done some limiteds after. So you know, I and I think again, you haven't fed into. I have to come up with a new release every year. Um, and then I I love I I've come to appreciate this as I've matured in this industry that I'd rather see the consistency in, in what I'm seeing than necessarily. I hope something comes out new and hope it's any good. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm becoming more appreciative of that maybe than I was 10 years ago when I was the guy who wanted always to see something new. And I like limited, I like celebration yep. and I like to do things that breathe a new life. And maybe that becomes the, the gateway to, to learn about and, and experience for the first time, Ferry Otego and our brands yep. and blends. And then you find the ones that you can depend on all the time. Yeah. But the other thing I'd say is Ferry Otego flagship is kind of a hybrid core, meaning I, I don't want it to just come in and sell out. I would like it to live on shelves for a year, you know, with this particular uh, uh, vintage, for, for lack of a better word. Right. Um, you know, 2021, we really didn't have that um, luxury because 
we made so few and they came in and, and went out. Hopefully with 22s, we will see them longer on shelves um, as we await 2023's release. Yeah. No, I think that's, and I, like I said, I love comparing the vintages too. And, and that's not necessarily, so I like it when it's tough. And, and it, I'm assuming in the cases, it's going to be tough here just because I know there's a model of consistency. So, but I, I kind of appreciate that as well, comparing them from year to year. Because again, the tobaccos are going to, are going to do, and you guys do your best to keep it consistent, which yeah. is, uh, but it's which, a very different model than yeah. maintaining that consistency over time on a yep. core blend yep. because we are deliberately allowing for some uniqueness with each, with each production, yeah. Yeah. but certainly not to make it a, a, a different experience. So if you liked the, 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 2018 Stag's Leap Korea Chardonnay, you're probably going to like the 2019. Yeah, right, right. Right? Because it's going to taste close, and it will clearly be the wine you like. It's just an expression of the year. Yeah. No, that's very, that's very true. But what I that's like about it, honestly, Coop, is, and a lot of people pushed back on this concept, um, it's never been tested long-term. It's, people have never stuck to this model long-term. No. You've had lots of annual limited releases, lots of things that are that are annually uh, dated, but we have not seen this this real commitment. I suppose, with the exception of Opus, um, we've not seen this real commitment to a dated annual release um, and something to to look forward to and to celebrate and to collect. And yeah. thank God, this is a travel humidor, and you can collect them right in the in the humidor they come with. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing. Michael, what is the oldest blend in, in the portfolio, favorite table portfolio? Which is one's the oldest? Metropolitan Host. How old is that? 1994. That's amazing. I mean, we're, we're, that's almost going on 30 years. I mean, again, and I, I smoked hosts when I lived in New York. It was one of the early ones I smoked. That, that's amazing. Again, th- to have, you know, obviously it's great to have a, a, a brand from that these days. But, I mean, it's just, again, the, I go back with the consistency. And, and the other two Metropolitan uh, Connecticut and Maduro, 1995. Yeah, I was gonna say they're those are, yeah, the those 90s are yeah. Too. I mean, we're going, I mean, I'm going back. That's boom country, man. That's yeah. boom, boom, that's boom country. That's pre me even smoking every day. So, I mean, that's I had I only had one kid back then, so it's just that's I was how, a kid back then. You were a kid back then, right? I mean, so it, 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 it like I said, I think that again, the stewardship you're bringing to these brands going forward. It, it, it's so important. And, well, you know, here's, I'll tell you something else, Coop. Yeah. I actually feel a profound responsibility to preserve those blends. N- not, not just because of my belief in core, but I had this conversation with Pete Johnson once. When to understand why Tetsuahe exists, to understand why a blend like this TAA exists like you were just smoking a pan am to understand how and why those those blends exist you have to know what we smoked at the time to get inspiration mm-hmm. right i mean those blends represent a moment in time of what was the most popular flavor of the moment and so what does one do when they want to be relevant and innovative they have to innovate what is already dominating the industry. But if you look at where we went, like look at, look at 2014, 13, 14, 
when I released Sterling, I did that out of what felt like a responsibility to restore a, a very important traditional blend experience that was being abandoned for full-bodied, lajero-heavy, yeah. 60-ring gauge experiences. And if, if we don't preserve the history of, of blend styles, then it's impossible to understand how we got to where we are today. And so my reverence for the history of our industry from a, from a flavor standpoint, uh, and Pete shares that with me, we talk about it all the time, uh, and not just the flavor standpoint, but the people who made them, Benjamin Mendez and Jose Cejas, um, you know, those guys, they were, those blends were so important because those are what inspired the blends that exist today. And so even though you can look at a Pan Americana and a TAA, uh, timeless TAA and say that has nothing to do with Metropolitan. It has everything to do with Metropolitan. Yeah. I, uh, you know, that's a, and that's a, I like that. I like that as well. Uh, Bear, I think you and I kind of, uh, we, we kind of like that. I don't know what you, you want to call it. I don't want to say DNA, but that heritage or whatever, uh, rather yeah. than just try to create something. I know people always want to create the next great thing, but I like how you, how you draw from those inspirations. I, I, I think that's a, that's a great, that's one of the things I love about how these products we smoke are manufactured. It, it's, I think it's a really good thing. But what's important is they, they can't taste old. They can't taste dusty. No. Right? They, they no. have to be. They are, they are new additions. They're reprints. These are reprints of classics. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So you're not opening up the book and, it, and the pages are yellow and it smells like shit. Yeah. These are new editions of classics. Yep. Well, I think that's like, you know, again, we're using the word, using the word in such a corny, cheesy way, but like i think that's i think that's the importance of timelessness is when you go back yeah. to you know it's look the 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 ferrotego you know taa 2022 is fantastic what a, you know but man it's you know it's so good to go you know it's so good to grab an ashton vsg yeah. and always return to that that classic it's always good to you know pull up panamericana and and to well, and return always, to it it's always good to return to a classic if they are reprints of the original. Right. But we all also have those same experiences where we go back to a classic and it's not the same. Right. And usually, and I, I say this in, in groups all the time, we pick up something that we used to enjoy 10 years ago and you can still taste it in your, in your memory and you cut it and you light it and you fire it up and you say, my palate's changed. I just don't like the stuff I used to like. And that is so wrong because your palate is better than it's ever been. Amen. The product has changed. The focus has changed. And when you pick up a blend that you smoked 15 years ago and you say, oh my God, it brings me back. That is a company that you need to really support because they are, they are supporting you. They're maintaining the core. So, um, Coop, you'll remember this, so, uh, Michael. So we had the opportunity a couple of years back to interview Lito Gomez in the, during the middle of the pandemic. And he told us a story 
about how uh, one of his a customer one time who smokes a chisel every day and he tells Lito this story that he smokes a chisel every day and Lito's response to the story was or to this experience was walking away um yes with joy but also with this this weight of I have this responsibility now if you remember that you remember oh the story yeah I remember that I remember that very vividly yeah and it it is i mean that's that's so that has to that has to be that has to be so daunting for you but it's exciting at the same time yeah right, that's not a, that's not the the weight of raising kids but it is it is the weight of of um you are you are trying to craft something that is inherently inconsistent and you have to take these solids and put them together in a way that you magically light them on fire and they turn into a liquid and a gas. And somehow that gas that hits the palate in smoke needs to be exactly the same every time. And it's wonderful when we get to hear guys like that who say, I smoke a chisel every day. I just smoked the Metropolitan and oh my God, it reminds me of, of when I smoked it with my grandfather. Unfortunately, what, what, what we tend to hear is we don't hear from those people. Instead, we hear from the people that say, oh, it's different. You changed the band. It's a different blend. I know it's a different blend, you know, or I know that's, that's where it really gets frustrating um, because it's very, it's very challenging to, to convince someone otherwise. And well, the, the moment when Altria acquired you got acquired nature oh, yeah. and the people going in the humidor. Oh, Everything it's changed. Changed. It right. just yeah. It's Thinks just, not it's, even drawing the contract, man. Well, it was the same cigar that was there before the contract was. Yeah. <laughs> but that is a but a, yeah. But that is a very that is a very unique challenge. But the other thing I'll say, actually, specific to that point, I am a big believer in blind tasting, but I am a much stronger believer in smoking with the band on because things do taste different and feel different depending on how you feel about them and the way a brand makes you feel. And for those people who after the acquisition, their feeling towards the brand changed or after 2018 with the, after the cigar aficionado story, if they're, feeling towards the brand changed, that's real. That is absolutely real. And, and I understand that as an artist, I understand it as a, as a, as a consumer, I understand it. I love brands that make me feel something. And that is what I want Ferriotego to be. I want people to look, whether it's the Ferriotego band whether it's the secondary band, the timeless band, a metropolitan band, I want them to feel something when they, when they light that up. I want them to feel something uh, when they spend their money on, on our cigars. There is a lot to be felt um, in our industry, not just tasted, but felt. And, and that's something that, that I'm working really, really hard on, on trying to create and preserve whatever I sort of inherited and carried along from my days at Nat Sherman. 
even from my days at Davidoff, let's say, as it relates to me, um, that that feeling of a brand uh, is is critical to a brand's success and a brand's longevity. Yeah, speaking of brands that create this 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 feeling and this in this um, kind of rec- being recognized and 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 so on, you know, there are a lot of those brands, and and you worked diligently a long time with this organization, uh, TAA. Um, and so Ferio Tego enters the market this year. And how, so explain a little bit about how TAA works, the brands that are involved with it, the manufacturers that are involved with it, the retailers that are involved with it, and how, how Ferio Tego was able to become part of it. So, so, so quickly and it's, you know, essentially in its infancy. Yeah. Let me add on to that bear before Michael ends. I thought there was a five-year waiting period. That's why I was, uh, so I'm kind of curious of what played into that. Well, um, he just destroyed my follow-up, Michael. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Ferriotego is a very unique. I see Ferriotego. TAA is a, is a very unique organization. It is um, where PCA strives to be. First of all, PCA is a trade association and a show that is all-encompassing, uh, or tries to be as all-encompassing as possible. TAA has always been a much smaller group. Smaller retailer representation, smaller manufacturer representation. Um, I spent five years on that board after being um, voted on for a two-year term. Um, I did five years on the board uh, as people dropped off and they needed someone to stay or take a place for someone, or then they changed it from a two. Actually, they changed it from a two-year term to a three-year term. Asked if I'd stay for three. I did. And then uh, as people had to leave early for other jobs, they asked if I would continue. So four or five years, I was on that, um, that panel. And um, it's a great association and it's great retailers and it's great manufacturers. It's a very intimate group, um, but it's almost like a focus group within pr- the, the premium cigar industry. Nat Sherman had been a part of it for many, many years. Um, I went to my first TAA, my first year with Nat Sherman, and I really fell in love with the organization, which is why I ran to be on the board, because I really wanted to participate and contribute. Um, Within the rules and the bylaws, there are very hard and fast rules about um, how one could be eligible, and both on the retailer side and on the manufacturing side. But then there are also some contingencies relative to acquisitions or, or other circumstances that that might create these areas where you have to dig deep into bylaws and then it ultimately has to go to a vote of the board um, to to decide whether an exception should be made for a particular circumstance. Um, And so when I once we knew we were acquiring the brands, um, I went to the board and said, and this was before it was public, I said, look, um, I know this is going to fall into the bylaw level of the rules, um, but I would ask for your consideration. And I basically went through my history with the association, what I felt I had done to contribute to the association. And I felt that um, the success of these brands in TAA stores uh, has been longstanding 
that my contribution, though less longstanding, had been um, meaningful nonetheless. And I asked for their consideration to uh, move Ferry Otego up for, <coughs> excuse me, for consideration sooner. <coughs> Pardon me. And the vote went in our favor and away we went. I think it's good, too. I mean, it, like, we've talked about this whole show. This was a unique scenario. This was not, you know, this was a very unique scenario. And I think, and again, in the way you can look at it, again, I think it falls under the category of acquisition. So you really shouldn't be penalized for that. So I think, I think it was a good, good deal at that. Really unique, really unique scenario, like you're yeah. saying, Coop. But uh, it was uh, the, 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 as Mike was recanting that story, it went a different way than I thought. It, it, uh, it's Mike's. Mike's so gracious. I thought he was going to say, like, I went to them and said, "Here's where we fall into the bylaws, so we're members." Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and and you know, I, I really appreciate. I appreciate every association, and I appreciate that every association, our industry or not there are rules and rules aren't meant to be broken, but bylaws are meant to be considered. Yes. Circumstances are meant to be considered. All I wanted was consideration. And what I said to them was I would like Ferry Otego to be considered as new member because of history. If the answer is no, I completely understand, but I also want this conversation to go on record to put me, in line right now for my annual consideration moving forward. Fortunately, it went our way on the first hit. But I'll tell you something. Our first check as a company, the first check went to the TAA. So funny enough, the board vote for our membership was the exact same day as the announcement, which funny enough was January 6, 2021. Uh, which something else happened that day. I forget what it was, but anyway, um, uh, we won't go Jan there. We're January not going, 6th, we're not going there. <laughs> January 6th lives in my mind as uh, the launch of Ferry Otego, but also the day that TAA voted us in. So our first check was actually struck that day to the TAA. And then July 7th, uh, excuse me, June 7th, we wrote our check to the PCA to make sure that we were, fully members of the PCA, which speaking of PCA, I just got confirmation. I was voted onto that board this week. So I'm on. Oh, congratulations. Uh, I mean, that was, I mean, we were the odds on favorite. I mean, and with all due respect to the others that were on it, we, I think everyone knew you. The odds I was at, let me tell you, I was so delighted to see how many people went up for nomination. That is such a refreshing, um, an encouraging yep. sign yep. Yeah. that there are a lot of people who want to see this association continue to get better. And, and Mike, you know, we talked a lot about PCA. I think they've done some in the last few years. I mean, they're, they're, I, I've been telling people who are maybe peers of mine in the media who have been around for a while, who have been critical. This is a different organization than it was five years ago. And they're do they're really, I think, doing a lot of the right things right now. And I, I think they, they need I think they need our support right now more than to be beaten down. I mean, is everything perfect? No, but I, I think they've done a very good job. But you uh, have to remember, 
if you go back to the RTDA, which was not that long ago, no, there was there was little to no evolution in that association. No, there wasn't. <laughs> so what we are talking about right now is the equivalent of 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 turning a fifty seven Chevy into a Tesla. Right, it's twenty. Sure, it's hundred percent. You can't just take a Chevy and make it a Tesla. You just can't do it. A Tesla can make a Tesla, but they're starting from scratch, right? That's it's a very very different thing. I am all for looking at this association for what it is. It is an association that is the single most important association that advocates for the premium cigar industry. Um, for, as a trade association. And if we believe in this, then let's sit around the table. Let's figure out the things that we agree on. Let's amplify those louder than the few things we disagree on. Mm -hmm. And then let's thoughtfully discuss the things we disagree on. And we might be able to agree or compromise on some. We will never agree on all, but we have spent a, a, too much time amplifying the, the, the smallest, least important, most controversial things. And that's what gets reported. And that's what gets talked about. And that's what people post about. And that's what people comment about. Well, if we amplified all the things that have been done well, all of the achievements that have occurred, I think the, the, the enthusiasm and support for the association would be largely different than it is today. But I'm I am very excited for this year's trade show, uh, and I'm super excited to have my first board meeting. And, and Mike, and Michael, I think there's a lot of positive energy going into this show. I know we're going to be talking. The media guys are going to be talking Thursday night, and I, I I can't see them disagreeing with that. I mean, I've been in some shows where there has been negative energy going, but this is this is probably the most positive energy I've seen in a long time going well, into the show. Last Last year's show was tremendous. It, it was, but there was, yeah, but we were still come. There was still some people probably didn't go because of COVID. So that's true. And yeah. I think there are going to be people who don't go because of COVID this year. Sure, it probably There's less. Be people but yeah, who don't go because it's too expensive. The flights are too much. The hotels are too much. Um, and a lot of stores are having a terrible time getting help. So they may not have the help in their store to be able to leave. Yeah, just because someone doesn't go to this show does not mean that they are not an advocate of industry or even an advocate for the association. And I think we're, we're very, we're, we're too quick to judge people who don't go to the show and we're not considering all of the circumstances that are going into that decision this year, last year, or any other year moving forward. I, I think there's two very valid points there. So like the first, the first being said, like, like you said, like the, the show last year, the, the vibe was incredible. Like when it we was. Were present. but I think, but I think going into it, I think everyone had, you, I mean, you certainly had question marks on your minds. Like what, what's going to be the risk, you know, your, your, your questions were a lot different, but what's going to be the response? How are people going to, how many people are no big four there? Yeah, exactly. You know, what's it, what, what's it, what's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Yep. And then when you get there and it's just like this, the vibe was incredible. This positivity right. was right. just fantastic. And I think there, I think that's that the momentum is certainly carried in. I'll agree with Coop there. I think the yeah. momentum is certainly carried uh -huh. in. To your second point, though, Michael, I think that's, um, I think by and far that's probably the best explanation that I've heard um, in a while. That you know, just because, 
just because an attend, you know, just because attendance may be down or just because an attendee doesn't show up, you know, they're, you know, they shouldn't be branded as, uh, as a, a, lot, a there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. There's a lot of shit going there's on. Personal people, people have personal stuff going on and stuff. Yeah. But I said this, I said this the other night, um, uh, someone mentioned, you know, we have to get everyone back at the show and all the big guys have to get back at the show. And I said, you know, let's be careful here. A, a non-attendee does not mean a non-supporter. And I don't believe that the companies or even the retailers who don't attend are not members in good standing. I actually believe that a large number of the companies and the um, retailers who don't attend are in fact members in good standing of the association and they just can't or decide not to go. But I also think that's a very important distinction that we, that we not disparage people for making a business decision. If that's the right thing for their business at that time, then that's the right thing for their business at that time. It is what it is. We need to work very hard to make it attractive enough and valuable enough for, for them to come back. That's the work to do. Yeah. And at the same time, make your membership not just paying for your trade show dues, you know, make it a membership. And I think if and I, that's a little bit of PCA price to work on a little more. But I think certainly they can go in that direction at this point because I look forward I, to working on it. Yeah, because I'm like, I'll be honest. One of the things I've been I have been critical of the of the PCA exclusives for a lot of the reasons you said is like, how do you if that one guy is, is a one or two man store and he has a death in the family or something? How do you like tell him no if he's been you know, really supporting here's, the show. Here's, and my, here's my theory. Yeah. And this is what I intend to share yeah. with the board. We need to create an environment where people feel supported and encouraged to attend. We don't want to create an environment where we create obstacles and roadblocks to stay. If, if I'm a member and we need members and we need thoughtful, strong members then it's incumbent on the association to do everything we can to preserve and grow our membership, not to do things that somehow punish them. And that's not an easy thing to, to do, but I think we need to, that's, that to me is the challenge is how do we change it from saying, if you don't come, you can't get this. Right. If you don't do this, you can't do that. Right. That feels, it feels slightly juvenile and that's a terrible word and, and and i'll apologize now for using it. it's the first thing that came into my mind we have to get above that mm -hmm. we have to really say this is your membership and this is what you get and if you don't feel you're getting enough then we are going to deliver you more mm -hmm. and if you still don't feel like you're getting enough then no problem maybe it's going to cost a little more but for a little more here are all the things in addition that we are able to provide now we are changing this in, into a positive message amplifying the, the, the valuable things that this association does 365 days a year, not seven days in a week. Well said. Well said. It sounds like I'm campaigning, but I already got voted. Right, on. You already got voted. You're making good on, you're making good on it. So, all right. Uh, all right. Um, I got one more question and we got one more fun question. We want to include you in on, um, any chance we'll see your your tasting seminars come back? Which oh, I think that's interesting. because I, I wasn't at it, but my former podcast partner Paul Asadorian had attended yours, and you know he told me the whole story of it. And it's it's just you know the, where you smoke the burritos, 
you know, so that's the one I'm talking about. I loved doing those. Yeah. Um, at the time, the only tasting like that was Davidoff's. The, hey. the, the hanky tasting was the only tasting of its kind that smoked individual unique tobaccos by seed and by leaf position and focused squarely on the unique behavior of each tobacco on the palate. Yep. That was it. And Baron, I've been through that one. Yes. Okay. When I left Davidoff to join Nat Sherman, I wanted to develop something similar inspired by Hanky's tasting, but I wanted to do it in a way that was more um, realistic from a blending perspective, not from an education perspective. So I came up with this idea of doing the multiples kind of blending in your mouth as you go and allowing the smokes two individual tobaccos drawn together is a 50 50 blend that hits your palate that can sometimes be awful. Hanky was the first to do his. I was absolutely the first to do mine. Yeah. And every time I gave that presentation, I was always very clear to say that having worked for Davidoff, Hanky developed this tasting, but I've taken it in this direction. So we're going to do it differently than you may have done it with Hanky. And I would even survey the room. How many people have done a Davidoff tasting? Great. Then some of this will be familiar and some of this will be very, very different. Um, And so I loved it because it was so unique. Plus it was fun. I mean, let's face it. We're not in a factory putting four Suruyos in our mouth. Like that's not, that's not actually how we're doing it day in and day out. Um, But it made it fun. It made it engaging. uh, It made it unique and memorable. And everyone took pictures. Yep. And then everyone, and then everyone copied it. Yep. (laughs) And which is totally cool because I was inspired by hankies and that's what smart people do is they get inspired and they find their own way of doing things. So I'm good with it. Um, But now there's also so much of it that I want to make sure that everything Ferriotego does is new, that everything Ferriotego brings to the table. You know, we've already reintroduced some history. I want to be very careful that this doesn't feel like um, the last nine years continued. This needs to be quite different. Right. So that is, that has given me some pause um, for the um, specifically for that tasting. I did do um, a seed to ash seminar that I developed through the um, uh, TU curriculum. Um, and that's actually a very, very cool presentation. And I would do that with pairings bookended. So I, I'm thinking I may do that. But to be honest with you, um, I have no plans to do any of those anytime soon. And I really plan on spending the majority of my time in market um, in what I'm just calling Ferriotego socials. And I just got back from a great round in Texas. I was at Ulysses. Um, I was with Jay. Um and we had such a great time just, just having conversations, just being in a room with folks and, and, and talking about what Ferriotego is, talking about the blends, talking about how all this has come to be in such a short period of time. I feel like right now um, I need to make sure that, that I'm, I'm building as much advocacy as I can. And the only way I can do that right now is to go out and advocate for, for Ferriotego. And so I'm going to rely on 
all the other companies who have studied and perhaps perfected my style of doing that tasting. And I'll allow them to continue to deliver that education because it is so important. And, and, uh, and if I bring it back in the future, maybe, or for a special event, um, you know, I think that would be a lot of fun, but, but right now, especially right now as a principal, as an owner of my company, um, I want to make sure that I'm doing the business that owners need to do. And I think owners need to spend a lot of time shaking hands and saying, thank you. And, and, and asking for support. Well said. Well said. So, Bear, do you have anything else before we go into the uh, United segment? Yeah. Are you going to bring back the earrings? Because you should. <laughs> Dude, I actually, that's funny you say that. Uh, I think it was in the fall of last year. Or no, it was, it was right before Christmas because I was in the mall doing some Christmas shopping. And I walked past the Claire's, you know, the... Yeah. Claire's like jewelry, whatever. And I was like, I haven't had an earring in my ear in like 12 years. So I went in and I bought a set of hoops and a set of little studs. And uh, I took the studs just to see if they were, if the holes were still open, which they were, I was so excited. And then, so I popped two hoops and two studs in my ear and didn't say anything and just figured I'd like wait to see what anyone said. I literally walked in my door and my daughters were like, daddy. And they were laughing <laughs> hysterically. They thought it was the funniest thing they had ever like seen in their life. And immediately <laughs> I was like, all right, these are done. That was cool. I'm glad I did it. But I think that that ship has sailed for a while. Uh, beautiful. But you'll be going to Claire's a lot as your daughters get older. Yeah, so. no kidding. I saved yeah. the earrings. Maybe yeah, I have one daughter and it was years. always went there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into our uh, our United Cigars president segment. Uh, Mike, we'll ask you to participate in this. Uh, brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and a highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron. Buy United, smoke United, live United. All right. So, Michael, this is a new segment that we started. Um, and Bear and I are doing this. It's, presidents, it's trivia on the presidents of the United States. So Bear does it on his show. But I had to take a different take on this show with it because, sorry, Bear, I didn't have a better word than take, but it's a good word, right? Because yep. Bear, it's awesome. Because okay. Bear is by and take it ourselves. Yeah, okay. Because Bear is an absolute genius. Okay, when it comes to presidential trivia, so the idea that I'm going to try to do here is I'm going to try to stump him to see if we could stump him with a with a with a fact about a president, and um, I think it's going to be very hard. So I don't think I'm going to have a high percentage with this, but we're going to try. I'm going to try here. Uh, he, he easily got the one last time. All right. So I'll, here's what I'm going to do. I will do, um, I will give the question. Bear, do you want Michael to answer it first or do you want to answer it first? Uh, I'll, I'll let our guests decide that. Okay. So, Michael, you have a chance. You want Bear to, we'll give you the option. Do you want to pass or play? Is basically what's going to happen. So you could pass, and then Bear will do it, and then you can, you can, you can counter if you want. Yeah, I will. I will play. But let's just remind everyone: I was a music major, not a history major. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to take first at the prestigious. Then. At the prestigious 
yeah. Berkeley College. So let's just let's just put that out there too. So. Right, right, exactly. Well, let's also let's also just say for the record, Berkeley's history department wasn't exactly like their songwriting department either. So go ahead, let's see what all happens. Right. All right, all right. The question is, which president of the United States was the shortest in height? Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. Okay, that's your answer. Bear? Unfortunately, Michael, you are incorrect. No, uh, right? no um, it, it's in, uh, funnily enough, uh, some of our tallest presidents some and, and our shortest presidents uh, were actually in the same era, which is actually at the very beginning of our history. Uh, James Madison uh, is our <laughs> shortest president in U.S. history. got it! You got it. I can't believe five, it. Five foot four. Five you, foot four. You, oh, he got it. And he's right on both. James so, Matt. And by the way, I had no, I would have never guessed James Madison even, Michael, just, you know, when I, when I, when I got this one. So here's the, cra- so here's some crazy stuff around this, right? Um, so first of all, like, so you think, okay, well, okay, well, that makes sense. You know, like, you know, people, you know, we, we've developed as a, you know, as a society and as, as a, you know, and not just societally, but also as, as, a, as a, a species, you know, people are bigger now and things like that. Well, actually, our two out of our first three presidents rank in the rank in the top five, actually top six, I believe somewhere in that like top 10 easily. George Washington was like six foot two. Yeah, um, I knew that one. Thomas, yeah. Thomas Jefferson was like six foot two. You know, I plus like then. like something like that. It's crazy. Why was George Washington at six foot two standing up in that boat then? I mean, that doesn't make yeah. any sense. That makes no sense. Absolutely, hundred percent. But it made sense how he chopped down that cherry tree. You know, he was he had a little bit of height going for him. <laughs> um, damn, you got impressive. All right, next question. That was it. There's one question. You know, there, there's a, there's a, there's another there's another fun piece of trivia too about uh, presidential heights. <laughs> so just, so John so John Adams, second president, and John Quincy Adams, his son, were the exact same height, five foot seven. Could, could you picture a five foot four president today, though, standing up yeah. at like at the you know at a, at a G seven summit or something? We almost had. Well, we didn't almost have one, but Ross Perot wasn't that far off, was he? No. He wasn't. He's pretty short. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how tall Hillary was, right? But and I'm not getting into politics, but I think a woman it's different, is what I'm saying. I think a woman gets a little bit more of a pass on the height thing. I think she was, I mean, I she wasn't shorter, she wasn't anywhere near Madison. She was taller than Madison. Yeah, I think she was too. I actually Uh, saw her in the theater. She's about my height. How tall are you? Five eight. That's about how tall I am. Yep. So uh, Jay asked the question, uh, which is the opposite, the opposite, right? Who is the tallest? That it was, and, and he's spot on. He's actually correct. It's Abraham Lincoln. The 16th president of the United States was actually the, the tallest president that we've had. And, you know, that one I would have guessed. That one I thought you would guess. Right. That's why I went the shortest. I said he may not know the shortest, but. Was uh, there anything? I didn't even look at the comments. Was there anything in the comments from a question standpoint that. I always feel bad. I go back and end up like typing answers to people. Yeah, the comments lately have been tough to follow because of Facebook's just been difficult to make them. Okay, no big so, deal. I'm just, I'm, just looking to see, I'm just looking to see So as we do that. By the way, if folks have a question that they want to stump bear with, send it to me at coop at cigar-coop.com. And uh, 
we will try to stump Bear. But like I said, I, I anticipate a very low percentage rate of these stumped questions there because he is just really good at this. You know who would be really, you know, who's really good at this. And like, we have to get him on at some point while we're doing this series is we have to get Miguel Shadell back on. We share, we share this insane passion for presidential history. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. And, and here's, you know, just so folks know, it was like United Cigars. We wanted to change up the one must go. We were doing that for a while. And when Oliver suggested this, I'm like, this is like perfect for bear. You don't understand. This is like the perfect thing for him. So he, him, he didn't even know that. Yeah. It's crazy. It was yep. a crazy suggestion. Yeah. All right. So, Michael, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the interview for tonight. Uh, we want to thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you for the support and the friendship. Uh, we we will be seeing you in a few weeks. So we look forward to that and visiting the Ferry Otago booth and seeing you personally and Brendan as well. I love it. If I can just close with one thing. Um, first, I want to thank you guys for your support because it's been so it's going to be more than one thing. I want to thank you guys for your support because you you both have been such fierce advocates, certainly through Nat Sherman, but obviously for Ferry Otego. So I'm certainly grateful for that. Um, both on the air and off the air, you've, you guys have been tremendously supportive. Um, but to the, to the viewers and to folks who watch this, um, I have two requests. The first is um, that when you walk in to your favorite store that you ask for our products if you're interested because just retailers knowing that customers are aware of the products and are interested in the products um, that is really the most important part to create the interest in the retailer to bring in a new brand it's it's very um it's very challenging for retailers today to decide what to bring in that's new because no retailer has a coming soon section in their humidor. And, and so that means that they are investing in a new brand or new product um, that is likely going to replace something that is already there. And that is a big, big risk. But having the confidence, particularly as we go into this trade show season, having the confidence knowing that there are customers in their stores that are interested in and aware of Ferry Otego gives us a, a, a great starting point for conversations with retailers. And so I would be tremendously grateful um, if you would ask your retailers about Ferry Otego, if you're interested. Um, the second thing I would just ask, we have always been a, a rather um, judgmental society where often we we make some decisions based on the things we like and the things we love. And, but we also make some decisions based on what other people think. That's just the reality. Um, social media has amplified that side of um, choosing what we like. Because uh, I mentioned to a buddy the other day, actually when I was in California, and he said, what, what's your biggest challenge? And I said, well, if we think about our own daily lives, and this was a, a wine guy. I said, we get dressed every day. Maybe we put on a watch, we get in our car, we, we drink coffee, we might drink wine, we have three meals, we do all these different things. But how many of them do we actually take a picture of and post and brag about and amplify? 
And the reality is that we all have this sort of built-in filter on what we want to post and brag about and amplify that is to some degree based on what we believe the response will be. We like the likes and we like the comments and it makes us feel good. And so we are now in a place where we as consumers almost need permission to brag about things in order to, to get that kind of engagement and dialogue. If enough of you love Ferry Otego and enough of you love Timeless and Metropolitan um, and you feel good when you cut it and you light it and you smoke it, I would just ask you to take the extra step of posting it and tagging it and bragging about it because that totally changes the game for us as a brand when we, when we have that completely organic endorsement of consumers. Nothing is more important um, than, than that type of endorsement. And so I just wanted to say that because I'm so proud of these brands and these blends. Um, and I, I believe they are worthy of bragging. And I know that Placencia and Davidoff and Quesada agree and they are equally proud um, of the work and the consistency and, and the quality. And you should feel proud about taking a picture of our, of our products and posting them and loud and proud saying, this is great and I love it. And what do you think? So if, if anyone would be willing to do that, I would certainly be grateful as would my partner, Brendan, as would our families. So, and as would all the retailers who have already brought in our cigars. So that's it. And I'm grateful Beautiful. to everybody. And I can't wait to see you guys in, uh, in July. I'll also, um, I'm going to be in market again. I'll be in the Midwest uh, in two weeks uh, in Chicago. And I'm doing an event at the, to at the tasting room of Monona, I think, Tuesday the 28th. Um, but I'll be posting it all on social media. And if you're not following Ferry Otego, follow at Ferry Otego on Instagram and Facebook and at Ferry Otego Cigars on Twitter and at Michael Herklotz on all three. And thank you for having me. Beautiful, Michael. Absolutely. Uh, please do that as well. Uh, it's just great. These are great brands, great cigars, and it's great to see people share their experiences with that. So I look forward to that as well. Thank you, Michael. Thank you so much. Uh, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, safe travels uh, from now, and we'll see you at PCA. I can't wait. Thanks, Michael. Have a great one. See you all. Take Good care. Evening, sir. All right. That is the one and the only Michael Herklotz of Ferry Otego. Um, I want to just mention Aganorsa Leaf uh, real quick here. Um, we're going to be putting up another Aganorsa experience post on Cigar Coop this week. And if you want to get a look, and this was something that Terrence Riley talked about on Primetime. Um, this is uh, episode 228. Um, they're going to be coming out with Aganorsa Leaf Fresh Packs. And if you want to get a preview of those fresh packs, just tune in to Cigar Coop or just go to the Aganorsa Leaf Experience YouTube channel and you'll get a preview of those fresh packs that are, I think we're long overdue for the Aganorsa brand. So definitely check that out. Um, and then, uh, Bear, I'll do Michael's. Sounds good. All right. So I want to always mention Michael's Tobacco. With just over a decade of ownership, Michael's Tobacco has become the premier tobacconist in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area and cigar patrons the world over. 
with two convenient locations in Euless, just a quick jaunt from the DFW airport, and Keller, Texas. Uh, Michael's Tobacco stands as a beacon for the Texas cigar retailers. Michael's was the very first cigar lounge in the state of Texas to add a full bar to its ever-growing accommodations. Proprietor Mike Peacock is a former IPCR board member, and he's made Michael's a family fair by having his son Bob join the ownership force. He has assembled, quote, the greatest team in cigar retail business, unquote, as well as built some of the uh, finest relationships with the industry's most respected individuals. Together, they have brought a true and blessed mainstay for their respective communities. Whether you're celebrating an anniversary, birthday, home one, or just a desire to relax, Michael's Tobacco will have the perfect cigar waiting with an exquisite bearers pairing and lively conversation. Visit michaelstobacco.com for more details and a calendar of upcoming events. Michael's Tobacco, not just a cigar shop, but the perfect blend of Texas hospitality and the days of yore. And just a reminder, uh, Michael Horcotts was just there um, last week, if I'm not mistaken. So that's correct. Yeah, yeah. he was there. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's always it's always good to it's always good when Michael and other folks in the industry like I mean, it's it Michael's Tobacco Reveals, for instance, is, you know, great stop by the airport. So if you're ever in the Dallas area and, you know, there's some great shops uh in the dallas fort worth area and everything but if you just have a quick layover there's a couple of cool spots uh one of them's michael's tobacco views obviously uh, there's another great stop in grapevine uh the old tobacco uh shop uh old um on main street um another great store as well and of course if your stay is longer then you can tour all the many many fantastic shops in the dallas fort worth area so uh so check it out but uh but uh, yeah it was great to, it was great that michael was here yeah, and I, you know, Michael seems like they're back with their uh, great event schedule. I think they've had one of the best event schedules, uh, certainly in the Dallas area. Um, so definitely uh, check them out. I know, Bear, you have not been able to smoke, nor as a team are we letting you smoke, just so you know, um, because we want you 100% for PCAs for selfish reasons and for your own reasons with your health as well. Um, you know, pneumo- double pneumonia is not a... Uh, a uh, a trivial thing. Apparently so, it's not to be trifled with. Um, I'm learning this the hard way. Yeah. No. So you will have plenty of cigars. Uh, you will have a great palate going into PCA, probably the best palate of anyone. So um, just take care of yourself is the most important thing here. I know it's painful when, when, when Aaron, Ben and I are sending you pictures of what we're smoking. <laughs> so you've been a good sport about that, but oh, uh, it's, it's been great. Like <laughs> I'm just, I'm just glad you guys aren't sending like yeah. too much new stuff. Um, so that, that, that would probably be a little bit more brutal. It's mostly like re- rehashing yep. stuff that like we've had before, like, Oh, I'm revisiting this yeah. or man, this is such a great go-to. It's like, yeah, that is, that cigar is awesome. You know, so I'm, I'm able to contribute to the conversation. So, yeah. um, uh, makes it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit less annoying. So, but yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I mean, it's on the, the good sport there. Um, so thankful people- for guests like Michael though. So we don't have yeah. to talk too much. I'm, I'm a little horse, as you can tell. It, yeah, I've spent no. a whole day talking on my day job. So no, I know, I know. Uh, no, but it was uh, great to have. We hadn't, we hadn't really interviewed Michael since the trade show last year, uh, and that was a much shorter interview. So we really got some good perspectives on things. Oh, uh, hey, we got one more segment we're gonna do, but I wanted to just—I think we have to just talk about the news of the day, uh, which was the uh, the uh, STJ. Uh, parent company of General and Ford Cigars announced they acquired the brands of Room 101 and our friend Matt Booth. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was the big news of the day. Um, I mean I think 
think everyone has seen it. You can check out cigar-coat.com. The, the details of the of the acquisition are there. Um, you know, it was it was it was really awesome. I've you know to see um, you know another year come by with with some really kind of big news going into the trade show. I don't know what this means for the trade show. I mean, he is uh, room one hundred and one is committed to. From what I heard, he's going. Okay. From That's what great. I heard, he's going. Yeah, I haven't spoken to Matt yet, but apparently, aficionado published it, and a couple of other people told me this. So, uh, but until I hear it from Matt, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, um, I still have to talk to Matt uh, directly. But I did, you know, we did have the press release today that came out. Uh, were you surprised? Very surprised. Um, I was. I wasn't, but I was. Well, of course you weren't, because well, I'll tell, well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, it, it was it was kind of a surprise. Uh, I, I expected um, I expected an announcement um, at some point uh, of, you know, kind of, ju- you know, Justin's been doing a great job um, ever since uh, Warzone with Espinosa. Yeah. And partnering with these great these these boutique companies. He did just the Boulevard with Caldwell. I was expecting I was expecting one any day now with with Matt Booth, because uh, I know him and Matt have a really close relate personal relationship, too, and professional for that matter. And so I was expecting it that regard. So when I saw Matt Booth in STG, um, my first reaction was, oh, and then my second reaction was, whoa. Yeah, that was not what I saw coming. So, it was, yeah, it was it was a it was a shocker to say the least. But uh, I spoke to. Um, well, I, I spoke to Justin Andrews and I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second. But let's talk about your reaction, Coop, since you know, you know everything. So, OK, so here's the deal about a year ago. Maybe it was a little less than a year ago, but let's say about a year ago, Rick Rodriguez posted a picture from a general sales meeting. And in that sales meeting was Matt Booth, right? So immediately after that, you started hearing the stuff that general STG was going to acquire Matt Booth. I took it as, okay, Justin's working on a collaboration with Matt Booth. I didn't think anything of it. You know, these, these stories about him getting acquired. So I had heard the stuff coming out. Um, there was one person in the industry who's much more forthright and, and, and saying it was true. So, but for the most part, I mean, I'm telling you, I get these bare every, every week. There's one of these, right? So, and 95% of them are not true. Right. But apparently there was something, I guess, to this. Um, I do know that boost has been working on a collaboration with, 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 uh, General slash Forge for a while. And Room 101 was going to go on to Forge. And this is really why Forge, I think, was set up. I mean, to kind of either acquire or distribute brands. I had the initial reaction that this wasn't an actual acquisition, that it was a licensing deal. Uh, but there's, I was just told from someone, again, pretty close to the situation, told me it wasn't the case, that they did acquire the, um, the, um, the brand from a cigar standpoint. And it's much like uh, uh, a BAT had Davidoff cigarettes. So even though the, the Davidoff names used, Davidoff doesn't own Davidoff cigarettes. So it's kind of the same thing. Matt Boots owns Room One, the Room One Hundred One brand, but he doesn't own Room One Hundred One cigars anymore, from what I understand. So, so everything I've heard is, you know, so my assumption is probably wrong on that. And um, I'm not ready to be the one to say, like, you know, there's always this, re- you know, everyone always looks at STG as the bad guys. No, they're not the bag. There's really good people under there. They have really good tobacco. I think they, I think they have misfired in a few directions in the last year or so. Uh, but Justin's doing a great job with that. And um, 
So I, I look forward. I think this is a really great opportunity for for Matt and for Ford's especially because I think Ford's need. I talked about this on one of our wrap up shows. I thought Ford's needed a, a, a shot in the arm and this is going to give it to them for sure. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I mean, don't know. I, I'll, I'll talk about my next point in a little bit, but I want to kind of get to what you were talking about with Justin. Some of the stuff you because you did have a conversation. I know today. Yeah, I, I, it was a great it was a great conversation with Justin. It was a call of congratulations. Um, you know, he's uh, he's been doing some really fantastic things with these with with these collaborations like we were talking about. And the the not to use a word from your last your last statement, Coop, but the license that that uh, STG has given him to work. I mean, it seems it seems very carte blanche. He gets to pick and choose. And so with the, his relationship with Matt, I mean, uh, I mean, his feelings of his feeling was genuine excitement. You know, I mean, he you know, he's had a really, you know, he's been friends with uh, Matt for over a decade. Uh, they've worked closely together, on, yeah. you know, obviously from se- from separate company capacities on a number of projects. Um, you know, they're both personal friends. And so uh, Justin was very excited because now they get to, uh, as he phrased it, uh, get to be co-conspirators. Uh, in, in creating these awesome projects together. So, excuse me. But um, he, vo- you know, he voiced genuine, uh, I mean, what I feel to be just genuine excitement. Um, you know, m- one of the things that I was really excited to hear was that also that um, there are no plans to change a lot of things about Room 101. For the impression that the impre- again the impression that I got this is the impression that I got was that this is almost be like this will almost be like a uh, um, a Drew Estate acquisition by Swisher in the sense that Drew Estate will continue to do Drew Estate things like we've seen them do since this the acquisition by Swisher. Yeah, there've been some, there's obviously been some changes in that company, but Liga Pravada. And some of these projects like Nika Rustica in recent releases of like 20 acre farm Adobe, they, ha- they still have that vibe, that feeling of Drew estate of the past. And, um, and they're still all manufactured at Drew estate. Yeah. They're not manufactured in Swisher facilities. And they and- kept the culture. I think Swisher kept the culture of Drew estate, which was the most important thing. They didn't try to change that culture. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um, couldn't hit the mute button fast enough. Um, but no, I and, and and to that point about culture, I mean, Matt Booth is there. Matt Booth. I mean, you know, I mean, things things could certainly change. We've seen we've seen people come in yeah. in situations like this and leave. But uh, I mean, I mean, let's not, you know, let's not uh, think negative thoughts. I guess there, but I mean, no, no, that's and Mac- there. And, yeah. So um, and so a lot of the but again, the, impre- the so the impression that I got from my conversation with Justin is a lot's not going to change because apparently, you know, we talked a lot about core today with our guest, Michael Herklotz, who said, by the way, he's in the chat. He said uh, Matt's booth is actually directly behind his at the trade show today this year. Um, so he will be there. But uh, the manufacturing of the core brands, the far, you know, farce and other items will continue to be at the factories that uh, they're at currently for the that's time good, being. So. And that's good news. And, you know, they were working general already had produced, I think big payback Maduro, which was a fantastic blend. They, they delivered to Matt. Uh, so, you know, they've already kind of got a, 
they've already had a working relationship with companies, which is which is really good. And and the other point I'll make, Bear, is Matt is um Matt Matt has been corporate before. Like there is a corporate you know, Matt was with Davidoff for about seven years, I want to say seven, eight years. So he, you know, he understands what it what it's like to be corporate. Um, and you know, he that relationship came to an end. Sometimes those business relationships come to an end. And you know, he did his he did his own thing for a while. And I I think this is going to be an enormous help having that. First of all, I think with all due respect to the sales teams he's had, the the Ford sales team's a very good sales team he's got. I mean, they they built an all-star sales team uh nationwide here. So this is and this give and I think this is like this is how can this is like something that's gonna be in their starting lineup, you know what I mean? This is something that really Fords can come in and Matt, you know, was doing a lot of this on his own. He was working through some brokers and stuff, but I think this gives him an enormous opportunity to uh to really take, like he said, take that next step um and have the resources behind uh you know, with General, I think I think Ford's was the perfect place, by the way, for Matt. I don't think General would have been the, the better place because he would have been competing too much with Macanudo, CAO, and Punch and those brands. Um, not that Ford's doesn't have very good brands, but I think that's a different, you know, there's, they're trying to differentiate the two the two companies or the two you know, channels that they have. So I think this is a, uh, I think it's a great fit for him. Um, and I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what the future holds, uh, as far as that goes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right, Coop. I think there's enough differentiation there, uh, that there, and, and there's some separation in it and, and clearly there, I mean, I mean, clearly there is a, there, there's a, di- even a different approach to the way that they're announcing stuff. I mean, think about, Again, the Caldwell Boulevard collaboration. Uh, think about the most recent one that was announced just last week with Wayne uh, Ray and Dion. Uh, which I don't know about it. I don't know about you, Coop. I'm super excited about. Uh, that, okay, I, now, now that one's going to be under General, but again, that's because the brand's under General, and Dion had a connection with that brand. That's I think it makes a lot. Of, I think that's a great. You know, I think it's a great move for Dion to kind of get back into a collaborate. We haven't seen that since Snow's Otros. Um, mm-hmm. which, which so that's you know it's great to see Dion being to do that. Um, it's great. I think General's been delivering all, and General Ford's has been delivering a lot of excitement this year. They uh, they've had a, every week they've announced a new product this year almost. You just, mm-hmm. I mean, I would say there's a lot. So they've you know, and instead of releasing twenty five to thirty products at the trade show, they've just kind of spread them out week or maybe take a week off there. So I think I think it's I think it's great. I mean, I'd love to see them back at the trade show as a company. Don't get me wrong, but um, I think they're they're creating some, especially the last two weeks. How, by the way, and how brilliant it is doing this right before the trade show. How brilliant was General Strategy in, in making these big announcements? Um, and, and they're competing with a lot of other announcements. I think it was I still think it was brilliant. They're kind of showing they're not they're not they're not sleeping by any means. Oh, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was, it was very, obviously very intentional and that yeah. it was a great strategy. I mean, from a, I made this comment to Justin earlier in our conversation. I said, you know, like the moves that, that the moves that he's making specifically in, in the projects that he's working on 
and then overall as a company and and then obviously with this this acquisition too like you know sdg is is really making i feel like a concerted effort to show like that they are in touch because that's been i mean i mean fair enough i mean Coop, i mean i mean single is out i mean that's one of that going back for years now that's been one of our biggest criticisms of general is that they you know oftentimes they feel they feel disengaged and we thought oh they they, they kind of turned this corner with this brand ambassador, you know, with this brand ambassador bit. And they had some great people in those, in those particular roles, everyone from, you know, Jack Toronto and Rick Rodriguez, who of course are no longer there. I understand that, but like Sean Williams, who's done an excellent job with Cohiba, Justin, who was in that role with diesel and what he did with that specifically. And Laurel and Laurel, and Laurel of course, and Laurel of course with Macanudo has yeah. done amazing things. So like, I, I, I feel like they're making these gradual steps to show, that STG is not this. I'm trying to come up with a really good metaphor. They're they're not these. It's not this crusty, stale, corporate, stiff, big bad wolf no. uh, approach to to making cigars. They want to be relevant. Poor choice of words on my part, but they want to be. But they want to be relevant to today's smoker. Not just not just taking the money of the same guy who has smoked Hoya de Monterey and and Cohiba for years. That guy's going to be there. That per, that woman's going to be there. That you know that person's going to be there today. They were there 15 years ago. They were there 20 years ago. They're going to be there 20 years from today. Yep. They want to be relevant to the and and be engaged with today's smoker and the promotion of Justin Andrews. The the appearance, at least, and again, this is my opinion. He did not say this to me. But it appears he kind of has carte blanche to work with who he wants to um, in this in this these, these with these collaborations. Uh, and he's been brilliant, in my opinion, and with the strategy and who he has and the brands that he's chosen. Yeah. Um, we, it's been yeah. incredible. We talked Sunday night when we were doing Smoking Syndicate and we've talked on a few shows about it. You know, all to this, we feel, you know, we've given a lot of credit to Rafael Nodal where he's become that, you know, he's that director of product capability where really all the new innovations going through him. Right. And general, we said for a while, didn't have that. I don't want to say that Justin's in that role yet, but he's the, it, it sounds like he, that's where it's heading with him. Um, it just sounds like that he is the guy. And for people who don't know Justin, I mean, he was, he's a very hands-on guy. Uh, go back to the Lou Rodriguez days. I mean, this he's not a guy who's just a a, a, a guy who sits in an office and does spreadsheets is what I'm going to tell you. Um, yeah. And and he is very quick. People have been very quick to point out to me who work with him. No, Justin's not the guy uh, doing that. He he's sitting at the table and they're sorting the tobaccos with with AJ Fernandez and Dion and stuff like that. Uh, Espinosa and stuff like that. So it's 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 absolutely uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a big plus. And the fact that Matt and Justin know each other for a while, I think that's a very good sign to see that. Uh, my only, my only, the big question I have for Matt is: he, Is he ready to go back on the road a lot again? Because I know he wanted to get off the road for a while, especially when he was with Davidoff. So um, I think maybe he's at a point in his life where he can. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. But I, he'll be on the road a lot more, I would bet, with this role. Possibly, I, you know, I don't know enough yet to. to know the details of that um you, you kind of posed a question you know uh a second ago when you said that um 
he's not he's not that Rafael Nodal yet, but it seems like he's on that track. Well, he's on that trajectory. Tar, he's on that trajectory. Well, I would say, if, yeah. If I would say, if Chris Tarr and, and, the, and the executives at General Cigar have any sense, and it obviously appears that they do, um, they they should definitely fast track that. Um, yeah, I think he uh, look. You know, I'm gonna make a Sunday gravy joke. Thought you know, I know you're and I, I know you're liking of that cigar side. <laughs> Or not liking that cigar side, I think I think the moves that he's made um, in the position that he's been in, and what he did with the brand Diesel in general, um, very unique story. Taking taking a catalog brand and making it a brick and mortar staple, it's never been done before, as far as I've seen. Yeah, it's incredible. I love it. It's one of, um, again. We talk about Michael's unique story. Justin has a very unique story as well, which is you know that the fact that he was given this diesel brand, which was in the catalogs for years. And he was told, you know, Hey, make it work with at the time general. And, you know, he did. Yeah. I think he did. Uh, I still think like, you know, I, the whiskey road Churchill is one of the best cigars that's come out from them. And, you know, you got me hooked on the, um, the, uh, Estelle Puro, man, Estelle Puro and, and that Toro size. So, Shit's my um, jam, dude. Oh my god, I love yeah. that cigar. I wasn't convinced so on that blend until I smoked it that night. Um, we were in the show, and I'm like, wow, it's it's so yeah, you know. I think like I said I, I like what, what they're doing. I think it's some excitement for uh, I think it's great for Matt. I'm ha- I have to I know I'll have a conversation with Matt this week. Uh today was probably he was probably getting pink. And and the reaction, just to kind of close it out, I guess the reaction was pretty positive on this, right? This wasn't like um you know, Jonathan Drew's. Re- this Jonathan wasn't like Jonathan Drew. Yeah. Um, which I think was an unfair reaction he got. Um, Jonathan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it, it, like didn't didn't did not age well. Did not. Age, oh, uh, yeah. League is, uh, this league is tasting different. Like they were. Um, I haven't. Yeah. So I, I do. And I think, you know, Matt's done a good job at rebuilding his portfolio the last few years. Um, I call this room 101 4.0. So 1.0 was Christian Aroa Camacho. 2.0 mm-hmm. is Davidoff. 3.0 yep. is the post-retirement. And now 4.0 is the STG era. So, uh, you know, he's got a it's, a, it's a brand with a lot, you know, Room 101. I don't know if Matt is aware. There's a lot of history with that brand now. There's been a lot of unique releases and just things that have, that have happened um, over the years. He's done a very good job, I think, at the private label piece, which sometimes gets overlooked. I've, uh, as well, so you know, that's a brain. Matt's had a lot of cigar releases over the years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to have he's got to have about fifty blends out there that he's worked with. So I mean, it's it's just not a guy, uh, you know. And he, I think he's done a good job for the most part. So if Justin, Matt, uh, the executives at Forged are listening, um, just gonna go ahead and put this out there: Daruma Gold, Daruma Gold, Daruma Gold. Yep. Bring it back. Bring it back. One of the great cigars. Uh, I, that was really one of the great limiteds he had. Um, the, the, the rumor was a good cigar in general. Um, you know, and obviously Namakubi made its comeback this past year. So for very good cause. Mm. But here's the best part. If, if it doesn't work for Matt, we can always blame Justin, right? Because that's what we do all the time. <laughs> we blame Justin. We blame Justin. True story. I, actually, I messaged Justin. I said, don't screw up room 101. He goes, why does everyone blame me for this stuff? I said, because that's what we do. Because we love you. <laughs> All right. 
Anything else? Just, it's just a it's just another opportunity for Justin to cry when developing pallets like destroys us a car from Room One Hundred and One. Wait, they, they destroy everyone at Justin's car. So I know that's what I'm saying. It's just another opportunity for Justin to cry. So <laughs> yeah, more more products for them. To... <laughs> uh, they have become the poster. I mean, they become a whipping uh, post. Uh, he's become a whipping post for us guys. Uh, poor Justin. No, uh, like I said, I I had. You know, my decade was I had that that um, whiskey row. I think it was a very important release. Uh, it made my decade list because I think it had a big impact. You know, it brought that brand into the brick and mortar. It's one of the best things to happen to SDG in the last ten years. So, so we're excited. We have that. a Matt Boost four point <laughs> Agree with that. I missed the cough button that time. All right. Anything else on Matt Boost? Yeah, I'm excited to see what comes. Uh, excited to, uh, I'm sure this question will come up again on Thursday with the panel. Um, excited to get their takes as well. Yep, yep. No, it'll be good. It'll be good. We'll be doing a lot of PCA stuff that night too. So uh, you want to tune in. We're going to have on, uh, Bear's going to come over to the uh, Thursday show with Aaron Nielsen, uh, Ben Lee, and Eric Gutormson from Cigar Dojo. So uh, tune in for that. And I know we have some other media panel shows that we're going to be doing for some of the other folks down the line as well. Will he uh, be debuting the new studio on Garcoop? Because that will be awesome. That would be a big story if he does. Yeah. Did you see that, by the way? He had like he's doing these videos, right? Jordan's hanging from the ceiling, painting the ceiling. Jordan's mm-hmm. like laying floor down. Eric's just sitting there like, yeah, you know, I'm supervising. you. <laughs> I'd be doing. You're a father of sons. Would you not do it any different? I I would absolutely do it the same way. I said that was brilliant, Mm -hmm. brilliant, brilliant parenting and brilliant delegation. But like he's doing this, Jordan's hanging from the ceiling, like painting the ceiling. I was like cracking up with that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, those those guys work hard at making their life look easy. I can tell you, they've been working their tail off putting that studio together. Man, that's going to be some good stuff. Yep. All right, let's get into great things are happening here. Uh, and that segment, of course, is always brought to you by uh, Tobacco Lara USA, uh, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco Lara USA, great things are happening here. So this is where we look at a lot of the positives of uh, things in the news. Um, and I know you have a story, and I have one that's not really a story, but more of a recap of something that happened in the industry. So... Uh, do you want me to go first or you go first? Your call, Coop. All right, I'll go first this week because I'm, I'm uh, so I'm not going to rehash a lot of this, but my my great things are happening here segment was the Cigar Family Charitable Found, uh, Foundation fundraiser done by the Smoke and Tobacco team, uh, curated by uh, Matt Tobacco and his fiance uh, Nicole. Um, they started this last year. Uh, as a brand, like as a media brand, only one year in business. Um, and they did that originally as part of their one year anniversary. Uh, they put some items up uh, for uh, auction through raffle tickets and raised last year $7,000, which is a big deal, right? This year took another, a completely other pass. Um, the goal was to beat the $7,000. Um, I don't think they expected it to. But um, this thing started to grow and grow. Uh, it, it went over $10,000. Then they had a very large donation. I think that took it closer to 20000 
and the the Fuente family saw what was going on with this, and they opted to do a match of the donations for what everyone did. Same thing like they did last year. People donated prizes, companies, uh, various people donated prizes. Uh, you could buy raffle tickets to get the prizes. And they uh, ended up getting raising $51,000 for Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. I got to say that probably was one of the bigger fundraisers they've had outside maybe the, you know, the cigars that they sell. Um, that's an enormous job that they did. And it got a lot of people's attention. And uh, I think they deserve to be part of the great things that are happening in segment. Because the one thing I always say is, you know, and, and I, you know, I sit here, a lot of us sit here and we are critics of the cigar industry at times. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll point out a lot of things that are wrong. But one thing that's right about this industry is when and I think, Bear, you've seen it with your show, certainly when mm -hmm. there's a when there's a charitable situation uh, and the chips are on the table, this industry every time and the industry, it's not just industry people, it's the consumers. They, they are so willing to give and um, to see fifty one thousand dollars go to this and, you know, I guess you haven't been there. I know Matt and Nicole haven't been there. I've been there. I can just tell you when you see it, um, you, you will understand why people just really get behind this thing. It's something very, very special. Uh, very proud of those, what Matt and Nicole did. Thank you to the Fuentes as well. And uh, now they got a bigger, now they got, now everyone's going to, now they got a bigger nut to crack next year. But um, I think it doesn't matter. I think they've done a great job. So like I said, 7,000 was amazing uh, to, to, to increase that by over seven times the amount this time is, is an incredible thing. And, you know, even without the Fuente matching, they still had over $25,000 raised from, from, you know, everyone else. So again, a great accomplishment. I mean, if you think about this, I mean, the, the cigar industry is such a small world. It really is. Yep. Cause if you think about Coop in, in, in your decade, uh, plus of covering the cigar industry um there are there isn't there there isn't a person probably in the industry that you don't know no or have met i mean that's that's a very short amount of time to yeah basically have covered the industry like and lit both literally and you know both literally and figuratively right you know so in fact, there's people that are gone, have let, have come and gone in that time that you've been covering the industry too, right? Yep. And come back. Yeah, and come <laughs> and back. And gone again, and gone again. And come. So to that point, um, it's a very small industry. Yeah. And to raise 25000 plus. Yeah. Matching, uh, and for the company, um, for a company to say, we'll match that, um, is... is it's a lot more significant yeah. than people realize. Um, yeah. So, I mean, congratulations to Matt and Nicole. Congratulations to uh, the Scar Family Charitable Foundation because, yeah. I mean, they're the real winners here. Yeah. That fifty thousand, that fifty-one thousand dollars is going to go so far, and it's going to help so many children. Um, uh, you're right. I have not seen it firsthand, uh, but I know the work, and I know, and we've talked to Carlito enough times. We know how passionate is he about he is about about that. Uh, Yep. about that project and and what it and what it's done for the people 
of the Dominican Republic, yep. yes, the children, but now some of those children are now adults and some of those adults have kids. Um, and what they've, what they've accomplished and the opportunities that they've had because of this charitable foundation um, are, are incredible. So um, yeah. what, a, what a great congratulations. Great job on that. And I just, you know, we hadn't done a show since the uh, fundraiser ended. And I, I just wanted to put that one out there this week is something a little different. Okay, Vera, what do you got? Um, so I found this story. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this without tearing up. Um, it's a really good one. It's a really good one. Now, did you have a chance to read it? Yes. This so, is a great story. Um, I, I kind of, you know, I said, yeah, I can see Bear picking this one. So um, as always, um, Coop, I, I always I, – I pick a story from the goodnewsnetwork.org. Uh, guys, if you are in a reader of this website, you really need to be. No, I am not an official sponsor of them. They do not support me. They don't even know who I am. Um, but I've been a reader of this website for a number of years. And so when Coop approached me about this, this segment uh, a couple of years ago now, gosh, I can't believe it's been a couple of years, right? Um, yeah. um, it was a great way to talk about some of the articles that I read on a daily basis. So um was... And this one was really touching. Um, and it, it, you know, you we talked a lot about community just a second ago, and we talked a lot about uh, people helping out other people. Um, and Michael, in our interview, talked a lot about gratefulness. Yep. And uh, this was just an absolutely wonderful story. So this was uh, in our good friends, Matt and Garrett's uh, neck of the woods in Minneapolis, yep. Minnesota. Um, a woman um, who's lived there, a 70 year old woman who's lived in the Powderhorn Park District uh, for almost two decades, um, was in, um, in quite the predicament because she's rented this house for almost two plus decades. Uh, the current owner had sold the property uh, to someone else and the new owner uh, decided that they um, uh, uh, I, I don't know what they decided, but they were uh, basically they were they were giving her till the end of January uh, to move out. They were going to be evicting her. So um, word got around to this this community that she's been a part of for 20 years. And uh, as she was affectionately known as Miss Linda. So this is Miss Linda um, and uh, her neighbors bonded together and asked the landlord um, and struck a deal with him. It would that the landlord would give Miss Linda until the end of June. So basically give her a five month reprieve. Uh, and this delay was intended uh, for Miss Linda to try and raise the funds to buy the house. Uh, Miss Linda is 70 plus years old. Uh, she's a retiree and much of her time and effort during her lifetime was actually as a volunteer working at several charities in the Minneapolis community area. Um, and even with all the things that are going on with inflation and everything, um, through countless fundraisers an art show, bake sales, pro bono work by real estate agents, countless donations, her neighbors, um, on the June 30th deadline, bought her home for her. And so she doesn't have to leave. Yeah. So, 
Um, um, as you can tell, this is quite an emotional story for me. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side um, told my mother this story. Um, and she told my me growing up and it was a story of my great grand grandfather and they didn't it, they obviously had neighbors and everything growing you know and and they didn't have a lot of money and it was during this is you know obviously during this is great great grandfather so this is the fir first great depression not the popular great depression that everyone talks about so this is the late 1800s and um so neighbor you know neighbors were poor things were struggling and everything like that and um as it were my my grandfather um wakes up in the middle of the night he's a kid he's a child and he because he hears something at the door and someone's breaking into their house and he doesn't recognize the person uh, but he immediately starts going through cupboards and things like that and trying to, and, and he's getting food. And my great-great-grandfather walks into the room and what inevitably becomes a conversation and my grand, uh, my great-great-grandfather recognizes him, or excuse me, my, my grandfather recognizes him as, a, uh, as one of his neighbors. And I'll never forget the words that ended the story as the neighbor was leaving the house after they apparently shared a cup of coffee and some maybe some biscuits or something like that i'm not sure what the food was um he said uh, to his neighbor he said make sure you knock next time and i'll be sure to open oh wow So in 2022, when we all seem very, very distant from each other, especially after a pandemic, and we're, it's ironic because we're speaking to each other, each other digitally, Coop, get to know your neighbors. Yep. Yep. It's really not uh, that hard. Yeah. I, actually, when I looked at the story, right, um, I, you know, I just showed the picture. There was a website called SaveLindasHome.com. And if you go to that website, um, you know, that's where the donations were done. They, they are still asking folks to donate um, because it will help for contributions for some of the uh, deferred maintenance you had to do on the home. So if, if this is something that you feel is a good cause, um, certainly go to SaveLindasHome.com um, and you can contribute towards that as well. So I think that's a good thing that, you know, because obviously getting a home is one thing, but then, you know, obviously things have to be done on a home sometimes. So um, I think it's great they're continuing that for them. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, many, um, Minneapolis in that neighborhood has had a tough couple of years, too. Um, and I won't get into all of that, but uh, what I will say is, uh, you know, there's some good people, obviously, in that neighborhood. So that really clearly. care. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. So um, good job, Bear. Good job. Um, and do anything. Uh, her neighbors did. Great story, though. Yep. Great, well, great pointing it out. Yeah, great pointing it out. Uh, very good cause. So that was our Great Things Are Happening Here segment um, brought to you each show by Tobacco Era USA. All right, Bear, we got one more segment. This won't be a long segment, but um, I want to switch gears. And um, 
you know, I, I was talking when we were doing the Michael segment, I said that events are starting to resurface, right? And I wanted to just maybe take a, a snapshot on the current state of events right now and where you think things are, right? Sure. And, and I have a few questions here. All right. So here's the first question. Do events excite you anymore going to a cigar event? Um, so you're, you're talking about me personally, correct? You personally. Um, I must confess, I haven't been to, to many. Um, mm-hmm. I don't um, know a lot either. In, in the last couple of years um, for, for obvious reasons. And, and, and Same aunt, yep. And uh, most recently this year, for logistical reasons, I, I live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, yep. it's a, it's quite a drive for me to go to um, for some of these some of these stores that I've either been a part of as an employee uh, and and or have supported um, right. over the years. Um, that being said, um, this year has also been difficult. Uh, as a lot of people know, we've had some of our, some of our some health challenges in this in this family. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, so no, I have not been to many cigar events in the last few years. Uh, do they excite me? Uh, I, that's an incomplete question because I have an incomplete answer. Uh, no, I haven't been excited about them, but it's not for the reason that not to the reason that you're asking. Okay. It's not that they don't excite me. It's that uh, I've I've just been bummed because I haven't been able to go to quite a bit. Um, I the idea of the return of the cigar event excites me. It things that means that things are going back to normal. It means that I'm, you're going to be able to see some of these people again, that you're going to be able to see people that you you've communed with over years. So that in its sense is exciting. Case in point. Yeah. Um, I have gotten a little sour on events prior to the pandemic. Doesn't mean I don't support them, but I think they've gotten a little stale at times. And maybe some of the stuff that's stale isn't fair to call those events, though, if that makes sense. Right. So, yeah, we've 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 had this discussion prior yeah. to the pandemic group, and, yeah. and, and I haven't necessarily disagreed with you. I, yeah. I think, um, yes, if if you're asking me, am I excited about seeing my local rep with a table and a stack of boxes? Um, no. No, that just that doesn't that doesn't do anything for me anymore. Uh, am I excited about? Um, am I excited? You know, I'm excited about seeing, um, you know, John Carney uh, at a La Florida Minicana event when they're announcing like the 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 uh, 25th anniversary cigar. Yeah, that still that still gets me excited. I want to go see John. I want to go have you know a piece of cigar history like that. You know, when those kind of things kind of coincide, you you get the you get the uh, the the face of the company and some kind of big release or something like that. You know, I'm still that much of a nerd that that gets me excited. Um, but no, uh, the cigar event as a whole prior to the pandemic uh, was not wasn't doing much for me. Um, yeah. Um, OK. And I'm you know. I'm going to talk about the tablecloth box event in a second because I don't think it's all bad. Okay, I just don't know if that's an event, right? But but I want to talk. About, I'm going to I'm going to get to that in a, in a minute when we get to one of the other questions. So I'll, I'll put that. I I actually think that the best events are ones um, that are experience driven events. Mm-hmm. 
as opposed to sales driven events. And sometimes you can get that out of a cut and light, even though I don't ever see a cut and light happen. Aaron and I did a show on that one. It's like very rarely actually people cut and light the cigar for you, right? At an event. You just don't see it. They call it cut uh, and light. But it's I a think, metaphor. Right. But I think it's a simple, I think what it is, it's a metaphor. Literally, it doesn't exist, but I think it's a simple event where some a representative is in there with yeah. a rep, uh, a national, someone from, you know, we can't we can't call it cut lights what they really are coop it's like we bought significantly less shit so it this is less important right but but, but we, i they can't call I, it that though they yeah. can't say that they, they can't say that right but if they do if they do them right like and you get like talk facetime with the uh with the brand owner i i think it's a i don't think it's a bad thing i i actually think oh. it's a good thing those types of events <clears throat> And then there are like, you know, the Dave Garofalo Abe events, which are very experience driven. And, you know, there's just, you know, they have good marketing plays. I think what did Dave have a chicken chasing event once? And Abe just recently had a barbecue hamburger event. You know, I, I think those are great experience type events. And of course, the sales go with that. Right. Sure. But sometimes I think the intimate event is really key. Um, I could tell you two people we talked about tonight who did really good events. Uh, Justin Andrews back in 2011, both of these events actually occurred at Havana Phil's by the way. So, but uh, so I want to give Havana Phil's a shout out on those Uh, 2011, Justin Andrews and Lou Rodriguez did an event and they were making, they were actually making the mojitos for everybody. Like they were making mojitos for everybody. And it was awesome. Like, well, you didn't have to, you know, there wasn't a cover for this or anything. You you just went in there um, and, and did that. And then Matt Booth came up to Havana Phil's, I want to say, in 2019. And he basically had a round table where a bunch of people were in the lounge. And he got it, kind of got up there and he told his story. He told the Room 101 story. He told the Matt Booth story. And to me, that was just a, a, an excellent event, you know. Uh, and, and I hadn't seen Matt do that. And Matt was really good in this role. And he's taking questions and everything. Uh, and yes, there was sales that went with that as well. So, I mean, that that's that's kind of good, you know, as far as that goes. So, I mean, those ty- I think when you get into the experience events and I think some experience events will 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 flop. I've seen some flop. OK. And, you know, but people try at least at least I've seen an effort made on that. Yeah, um, you know, I, I'd like to I'd like to commend uh, Brandon Payne. Uh, who's been a good friend of mine for a long time, yep. but he's also the new GM for Michaels. Uh, he had some big shoes to fill with Tracy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tracy starting his own venture, but um, Brandon's really taken that. You're taking your criticism of events, not specifically from you, but taking the criticism that you've had of these events in the past, and he's taken it really to heart, and he's really pushed the really pushing the envelope, thinking outside the box doing a more event-based things he's done he's done dinners he's done you know interesting interesting giveaways uh con- different kinds of contests you know and um i, I mean i really got to hand it to him and they've and and they've been really successful there hasn't been a you know there really weren't dirt events before at michael's uh but they've they've really kind of invigorated the uh the uh, the patrons uh, yeah 
and it's been it's been really it's been really great to see and I, i'm really excited because i know he's not done yet I'm really excited to see what he does next that's great that's great to hear um on that so my next question is why do retailers do events and i want to kind of take that question first if you don't mind so i'm going to go back to what i was just saying about the tablecloth box event right and maybe it's not an event right but i think it's an important I've heard people criticize the buy three, get one freeze. Okay. Which I'll put into sometimes those categories or, you know, get 20% off a box or something like that. And I still think that's, I, I look, I've heard people criticize those things and I'm not a big fan of discounting or giving away things, but I think they're absolutely important for brick and mortars to have those types of things because guess what? If you don't do it at your store, it's going to be done at another store. It's going to be done online. So why shouldn't the brick and mortar have that one window where they can do some of that? I wouldn't call it an event, right? I hate the word event, but that's just a semantic type of thing. But I think if you have that complemented with the experience things I talked about, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, like I said, I, I hear a lot of people criticize those types of, again, you want to quote unquote events, but I think they're an important part of the brick and mortar. And retailers need to do, and it also helps them promote the brand is the other thing. It's, so you know, call them what they are. Call them promotions. Call them promotions, yeah. I mean, call them tablecloths uh, nights or something. I don't know. I kind of make fun of the reps who just take all the time with it. And they, you know, they do try to make it look nice. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't poke fun at that. But I, I, think they're, I still think they're an important part of the business. And I don't want to see them go away. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be some, you know, it can be three, three for Thursday, you know, right. mm-hmm. you know, you, every Thursday, you, you as a, as a brick and mortar owner right. or proprietor can pick a brand that you want to feature. And then the, yeah. the, the personality doesn't even have to be there. Yeah. And, you know, it can be something very simple. And um, as far as like educating the, the, the customers on, you can print and, 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 and if the, if the, if the face of the company can't be there, I bet you they would supply what I'm about to suggest is have a little placard made, you know, just a little company background, maybe a cigar background, the story of the cigar, the story of the brand, story of something just on a little placard. The little have those, yeah. Have those in the bag ready to go uh, for this particular brand, you know, the three, you know, the three for the three for Thursday or something. Um, and um, I promise you it, 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 it's little things like that, that, um, that, you know, especially, I mean, it, is it going to, is it going to do anything for the guy who comes in and buys a Padron 2000 from you every day? No, it's not, but that's not the guy you're worried about. He's going to spend his money the way he's going to spend his money, the way he's always spent his money. Right. The, the, what, what you're doing this for is for the people who do come in bi-weekly, weekly or daily and do smoke around the humidor, but for whatever reason, you know, haven't necessarily st- you know, stopped by room 101 or Ferriotega or something like that for whatever reason. So is their opportunity to do it? Yep, I, I agree. I mean, Craig Cass brings George Padron in every year around December. And look, Craig Cass doesn't probably need George Padron to sell Padron cigars. But I think he really does that for his customers, more or less. And there's some incentive. It, it's not a huge incentive to get stuff, whether it's a small discount or some swag or something like that. But And George is really good. I'll tell you about making sure Craig tends to do it as a dinner. So he combines the experience piece in there, 
But George is also the guy who goes to every table and talks to everybody. So uh, he, he's a great he's a great host of the event as well. Uh, makes a you know attempt to meet every. I know Johnson Drew when he does an event makes an attempt to meet every person at the event as well. And I notice others I'm missing, but that, I think that's an important day. I mean, yeah, it, again, this is a very small world and people remember those impressions. And, and I think I think, you know, you know, uh, picking a page from Nick Perdomo. Right. You know, it Nick's a great it takes year. Well, yeah, Nick's another one. Same right. Category. Yeah. Nick's a great event. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it take because, again, going back yeah. to his, you know, yeah. his father's mantra, it takes years to earn a customers. It takes yeah. three seconds to lose them. You know, if. You know, it, it's it's the old. Uh, um who was it, Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle quote? I'm like, you know, right. yeah, I've got to go out there and play every day because if I don't, there's going to be that one kid who came to see me play and I can't let him down. Yeah. I mean, I went to an event, again, an event to point out Nick at Anstead's uh, a couple of years ago. Guy just, wow. And he's, you know, and a lot of the experience of that event was Nick, again, sharing stories, getting to know people. Um, you know, because a lot of people, you know, we have access to these guys a lot more than, than customers. So I, I think it's, it's a great opportunity as well for customers to kind of get some great FaceTime. And, and Nick certainly one who wants to be there and meet his customers so and, and hear from them. So I think it's a good thing. All right, so Bear, question. Who has the responsibility of pulling an event off? Is it the retailer or the manufacturer? This is such a loaded question. I saw this on the rundown, and I got to tell you, man, it's such a loaded question. It is, Who's, whose responsibility is it for pulling an event off? Okay. Um, so let me just tell you from my, from, in my opinion, in my perspective, uh, it, it's, it's nobody gets off the hook. Yeah. Nobody gets off the hook yeah. here. Uh, retailers, it's your responsibility to pull off a great event. How do you do that? Logistics. Yep. Making an attractive offer. And that doesn't mean free cigars. I'm not talking about giving away free shit. Right. We've already kind of, we've already kind of languished over this. Mm -hmm. There are ways to get people there. You got to get the butts in the seats. That's one. Yep. Okay. Two. Also, you got to make sure you have product, the right product. Yes. Mm -hmm. Three. Um, it's, uh, it is absolutely on the manufacturer to make sure that the, the event pulls off. You have to make sure the retailer gets the cigars. Yes, I have. I have. I've seen I'm that. I am not. I'm not naming names. Right. I am sorry. I am. I'm going to be a gentleman here, but I have been a part of events where cigars did not show up when they were promised and supposed uh -huh. to be. And we promised. Who did we promise, Coop? We promised the customer. Yeah. So who looks like the fool? Yeah. Not the manufacturer. Really, not the manufacturer, because we're not going to do that to them because we're 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 cutting our. Not only are we cutting, are we're cutting ourselves at the knees at that point, because we're gonna we're gonna point fingers. That doesn't make us look good either. Yeah. So we're gonna say it's on us. We didn't get the cigars, right? We're gonna point the we're gonna fall yeah. on the sword there, you know. Because and so the yeah. manufacturer is not gonna look bad. Yeah. Um. So the manufacturer's responsibility is getting the cigars there, uh, and enough cigars, and and to show up. Okay. So if you're committed to showing up. And this doesn't, you know, this this is someone all the way from a Jonathan Drew and Jorge Padron, all the way to the local, all the way down to the local rep. Whoever's supposed to be there needs to be there and needs to be engaged. Yep. And needs to stay the whole time. And needs to be there 100%. Not sitting in the corner and on their phone. Not, uh, 
not disinterested, not talking to the proprietor of the shop or me as an employee, even though I, it was really hard balance for me because I wanted to have conversations with these people, but I wanted them to also have conversations with my customers. So, uh, so whoever's going to be there needs to be there. Um, so it's also it's it's also in the manufacturer, and you know what? Like I said, no one's off the hook, Coop. No. So let me the give responsibility you a- is the customer. The customer yeah. needs to show up. Yeah. You need to I, show up too. I agree on all that. I agree with everything you said. I want to give you a case study though, and I want you to see how you answer this. Oh goodness. This is not a, okay. So this is a true case study. Okay. A retailer had an. I'm not going to name the manufacturer because I'll get in trouble. Uh, but the retailer is out of business. Let's put it like that. So there was a retailer who basically offered a hunting trip. Oh, not I can't, I can't let me back up. Retail and the manufacturer agreed to offer a hunting trip with the owner of the company for whoever like bought product and won the raffle. Okay. And the someone won someone won the contest, but never got the hunting trip. And the retailer's attitude was, oh, the manufacturer's got to follow up on that. And the manufacturer's attitude was that the retailer is responsible for organizing the logistics. Who is, who is at fault here? And the, customer, and the customer felt like very awkward about following up on this. With, with, with. When he, he followed with the retailer and the, and the, and the, and the um, yeah, he followed with the retailer. He felt awkward going to the manufacturer. They are, and I, I agree. The answer is they both are. They, they both, both are. They both dude, are. That, own, that, own your own your shit, dude. Like, own your shit. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Come oh my, up. With, oh, oh my god. I, I've never. You, dude, you're ambushing me here. I've never heard this story before. I. You just. <laughs> you, you just. You just chuck a nerve with me. Yeah. Or, like absolutely own your shit, dude. Take ownership. Take ownership of a situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's, listen. It doesn't matter. It's not your problem. You're associated with the problem. Help find the solution. If you're the manufacturer and you want, to, uh, you're saying, listen, all you have to do is own your part. Like, hey, we're ready to go. The logistics need to be ironed out. You know, uh, part of our agreement was that the retailer would still be involved with this. Let's get on the phone with them right now and let's see what we can do to get this. Get both the ball rolling both take ownership. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's scenario one. If yeah. you talk, if you are actually already having the yeah. awkward conversation with the manufacturer, if you're the re- if you're that retailer, Coop. You said they're not in business anymore. No. Okay. Well, gee, I wonder why. I wonder why. Um. Yeah. But so the company is. So, I'll tell you that the company is. Um. Well, shame on the company. That could have been handled better. No, they um, should have followed if, up. How come no one's closed in on yeah. this trip yet? How come the logistics haven't been closed yet? It this? still hasn't happened. The, the store's out of business. <laughs> but still, this, it hasn't this, happened. This was he like was eight pro- years ago. Was, this was about eight was, years wait, ago. Wait, well, hold up. He was promised something. He won something. Like. Legitimately won something. Legitimately won this, like won this hunting trip with the owner of the company. The owner of the cigar company or the owner of the the retailer? The The owner of the cigar company. Dude, you got to honor that. That's same on them. Same on them. Yeah. And you got to have a you got to have a plan when you do something like that. Right. You got to have an execution. Right? Like, so let me give you an example. And I'm not trying to toot my home. We're not events. But when Saka gave away, offered to give away that ashtray on the uh, when he was on primetime, 
the first thing I did is I worked out the logistics. Steve, how do you want to handle this? So we had we had a, a game plan. And look, it was my responsibility. to. We agreed it would be my responsibility to pick the winner and get the information to Steve. And Steve's responsibility would be to fulfill it. And we, we agreed on that approach up front. I was fine with it. And we had everything in place. But I've, I've heard of other media shows. That, like sometimes these prizes are off at the last minute. We don't have a, uh, a plan. Like they don't have a plan. And sometimes I've, I've heard of nightmare stories with other podcasts and, you know, things like that. So you got to back to this. You have to have a fulfillment plan on, especially if the product's not there, you know, or if it's something unique, like I just mentioned, you got to have a fulfillment plan with that. Oh, absolutely. You have to dude. you have to own that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shame on the man. Shame on the retailer. Um, hey, uh, that's on the manufacturer. Yep. I'm, I'm calling I'm calling on the customer's behalf. Hey, is the trip ready? No, you have to do the logistics part like we talked about. Okay, let me get on my end. Let me fix my then you ready to go. Okay, great. Then it gets done and it gets taken care of. Yep. Yep. Like, oh, my, like, take care of your customer. My God. Blocking and tackling this is. This is that's, shame, that's, that's shameful, man, on all accounts. Yep. I'm Particularly on the retailer. But if the manufacturer is still in business, someone needs to bring this to their attention. They need to honor this shit. I agree. I agree. We can talk about this off camera. Yep. I'm, I'm fired up now. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Next question. I'm fired up and I haven't had a cigar in like weeks. I know. So. <laughs> Got bare filed out. All right. Has the industry relied too much on events? A thousand percent. Yeah, I agree. I think we agree with that. Um, I think that sometimes there's too many events. Uh, you know, those experience events you have, Look, you customers have finite spending power. You just got to keep that in mind. So you could you could bastardize, you could have an event, and you could be bastardizing another bigger event uh, on that. The manufacturer is going to come on our show constantly, Coop, and talk about we're not wanting to. Steve Sock has been notorious for saying this. He doesn't want to cannibalize his own product. Yeah, I agree. Don't, don't cannibalize your own product. Don't yep, you know, I, like. I agree. I agree. All right. Next question. It's on ROI. Now, I'm not talking about making money at the event. I'm talking about long-term long-term residual effects. Do events produce the ROI, meaning it's kind of helped boost the brand uh, from both the brand and the retailer perspective? So you have an event, and then suddenly people are interested in that product. Okay. Do events accomplish that? This is a really – this is a shitty answer, Coop. Yeah. From the retailer perspective, it depends on the manufacturer. From the manufacturer perspective, it depends on the retailer. Yep. So yep. I, uh, you answered it. Well, I, I agree. It's a shitty. I mean, it's a shitty answer, but I mean, it's the answer because listen, uh, if I want ROI from a brand and so I, you know, Jay talks about how he likes to do some of these offerings with some of these new companies and stuff. And he likes, to, you know, he wants to tell the story and wants to bolster yep. it and everything like that. Well, that's great. You know, that's a, that's a really great intro and that's, you know, you can call it whatever you want and, and, you know, you know, it sounds like it's been a successful model for Jay, and that's great. Um, but if the if the brand doesn't support Jay, that brand's going to fail. That brand and, Jay's fail. Gonna, yeah. and, and Jay's going to fire him. And so, yep. like that. So, no, the ROI doesn't exist. So, on the flip side of that perspective, so not Jay, right? Because Jay's one of the finer retailers in the DFW area and the country, for that matter. Um, on the flip side, yeah, if the manufacturer says, "Yeah, I'll come to your event," I will, you know, engage with customers. I will do this. I will do that. I will commit all of this and everything like that. That's great. So you, they go to the event. They do all that. They kiss, they you know, shake hands. They kiss babies. And the event's a huge success. But the retailer 
and the tobacconists in that establishment uh, don't don't continue to support that brand. Don't continue to put it to put it in people's hands. Um, that brand's going to fail too. Jay just nailed and, it. The key is to put that to put that cigar into the customer's hands and get that cigar into their rotation. He's he's a hundred percent correct on that, and that's why I see a lot. That's why I agree with Jay. He says the ROI is you know it has bad ROI. I see that happen a lot. Um. It's exactly, and I, because you see it, there's certain guys who are really good at events, right? They'll come in and they'll do the event in the store and they'll, they'll have a, a tactical great night in sales, right? But, but to Jay's point, is it accomplishing what, what it, you know, exactly is it getting that scar into quote unquote, the rotation, a regular smoke. That's, that's where it's tough. Jay nailed it. 100%. All right, last question. Who kills it at events and who doesn't? Is there a company that kills it at events, like does great, and there's a company that doesn't? Well, I think there's a lot of events that I think there's a lot of companies that kill it at events. Um, um, I mean, I think we've already named a couple, uh, and I think it's yeah. I was gonna say I named. I mean, Drew Drew Estate crushes virtual events. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. what they they the barn smokers. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, man. I mean, they know they know exactly what they're yeah. doing and they know yeah. exactly how to do it. Um, um, yeah, they absolutely they absolutely crush it. Um, you know, from a retailer perspective, we talked about you know some of the big ones, but I mean, Abe's the great smoke. I mean, is that there? He said it on our show. There's there's not a better one. Right. There's not a better retail driven. You know, that's with respect to a lot of retailers out there yeah. that do great events. Yeah. But I mean, this is I mean, the great smoke is yep. it's 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 a very, very, very different experience. But it's yep. it's all in support of his of his retail chain. And yeah. Two thousand people show up. It's nuts. That, no, that's nuts. You know, there's a couple of um guys who are like you would be surprised who are really good at events. I'm going to name one, but the problem is his brand is not an event-driven brand. And he doesn't do a lot of events for that reason. But I'm telling you, Andre Farkas, I've been to two events with Andre Farkas. He's one of the best guys I've ever seen in an event. He's, he, he, he's this recluse. You think he's this recluse, but he is so engaging and so much fun in an event. right? But mm-hmm. the problem is his product is so limited that like, it goes back to the J point. I don't, like, you're really having Andre in there as more of a, a thank you to your customer more than anything. Um, and like I said, I don't know when the last time Andre did an event was, but, but I've been, I've had the fortune of going to two. Um, and then both retailers who did it squirreled away product for a year though of limited product for that event. So, you know, that's how that worked with that. But I, I think Andre is really, You'd be surprised. He's really good. Pete's excellent at an event. I've been to many events with Pete. Yeah, Pete's, Pete's, Pete's Pete. done some of Michael's largest events in history. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've seen him. We uh, we used to go to the – Seth and I used to go to an event they used to do in Raleigh called the Pork and Puff. That's where we met Pete. Again, Pete brings that whole experience. He's very engaged with his customers. Uh, as far as, as that goes, it's really good. Uh, obviously, Jose Blanco is great at an event, just Jose and himself, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll see, I'll see him put cigars in people's hands. Sometimes he's very good at an event. Um, 
I can't think of anyone who's really bad in an event, though. Like, just like you don't want them in for the event. There's not with the people, you know, like, I don't know. If they're, I would, if they're West Coop, would we mention it? I mean, out of respect for them. Yeah, I mean, I guess we wouldn't, but but I'm, I'm having trouble, like, if I wanted to mention someone, it would be unfair because well, I, I mean, I already been... kind of, I already kind of did. I mean, I'm not, not, I didn't name names, but I mean, if you're, if you show up to an event and you're not engaged, um, you know, and we've all had, look, there's people that are listening to this and watching this right now that yeah. know exactly what I'm talking about. There, there's, there's one person there I people, can, yeah, there I'm are not people who bet. do that. You just gotta, yeah, you'll know who, like if the person's sitting in the corner and not talking to anybody, uh, I mean, I've and seen this some... isn't the Steve Saka version of sitting in the corner and like holding court. That's a that's an experience too. Yeah. So uh, like, <laughs> I mean, Steve, I've seen... Steve can do that because again, he holds court with it and yeah. he talks to everybody and uh, people come uh, up to him. I was at a Casada event once, right, uh, with a broker. Manuel was there, mm. and Manuel was the one setting up the table with the retailer, and the rep was on his phone texting. While Manuel Casada is unloading boxes with the retailer, the retailer was doing his part that night. And I went up to the retailer, and uh, actually, my son was working that night. Um, so may give something away on that, but uh, I won't give the rep the name away. Um, Manuel, so you mentioned Manuel Casada. Like, this is, I, I think I've mentioned this story on the show. Yeah. At least a couple of times. Uh, the first time I met Manuel Casada um, um, was unbelievable experience. Yeah. He, he has this uncanny ability to make you feel like he came all the way from wherever he came from just to meet you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, um, and it's, but it's genuine, it, but it's genuine. Yeah. And, and it's, well, it, it has to be right. The sincerity has to be there because yeah. in order for, in order for you to feel that way, there's no, there's no way, there's no way possible that it has to, it, it can come from anywhere fake and inauthentic. Like it's, like I, I, like I said, I've, I've said it several times. It's, and I know you've experienced it, so it's 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 hard for for people who've never met him, right? Like people just like, oh, so Bear's saying this guy, he's a good, he's a good, he's a good person, right? Yeah, yes, he is that. It, but trust me when I say this. Like if you meet him, he will make you feel like there is no other person in the room. There's no other thing. There's nothing he has to do. There's no priority other than having a conversation with you. And, and if you ask a question, giving you the most onion, honest, genuine, yeah. considerate answer. It is, it was the most mind blowing thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, I mean, not, we're not even talking the cigar industry. It, 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 it surpasses the cigar industry for me. I've yeah. never yeah. met somebody that made me feel like he did. Totally. It, totally. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, you know, another guy I just want to mention, and I know there's other people I'm leaving out, but one I want to mention this guy because he's gotten a lot better at doing events, right? He wasn't, he was, I think he was a little tight at first doing them, but he was also newer to the cigar uh, event scene, and that was Husto Aroa. So I've seen Husto really grow uh, the last five or six years where he's great at an event now. But I think at first he was a little tight, you know, it wasn't something he ever did before in his previous career. Um, but I think he has really evolved nicely into that role. And it's good to see people kind of, you know, evolve with that. You can't expect someone right out of the gate to just, you know, knock it out of the park with the event. And I think he's done a really good job. At, uh, like most improved guy for sure. Um, definitely worth going to a Husso Aurora event. 
Hey, um, if you ever have the opportunity to have a conversation with who's so you need to take advantage of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's great. Just, it's just yeah. one of those, it's just one of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could, we could go all night and talk about all the great, the great people in this industry. Cause there really are there. Like, again, it, it, it goes with the, it goes with my, what I was, my point earlier, Coop is if you show up to an event, that's your responsibility. Show up. Yep. And these, these are example of people who show up. Yep. They do. And he's doing a lot of events right now too. I mean, he's on, he's in Charlotte this week. So I'm hoping to get a whole, uh, connect with him, but yeah, he's really good. Uh, I mean, he's really good as well. So, um, Ernesto is really good at events. I mean, he, uh, I've been to several Ernesto events, uh, again, takes the time to meet everybody. So, uh, usually well-organized event, they have roles and responsibilities and stuff. So, so yeah, uh, that is what I had to say on events this week. You know who's really great in an event and is no longer in the industry? Michael Giannini. Michael Giannini is back in the industry. Oh, he is. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you where he is. Quality Importers. That's recent news that's come out. Fantastic. Well, good for good for yeah. But he was great. Oh, I hope he's, we see him. At the, I can't wait to see him at the show. Uh, great at an event. Great at an event. No question about it. I've been to a couple of his events. I never went to a Gloria event with him, but I've been to the Ventura events he did. And he was really, really good at those events. No question. No question. Really good at those events. Uh, did, did a great job with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, so those, you know, um, I think we covered everything. Anything else you want to mention on that before we wrap up? The nostalgic bone in me has got me remembering this first Sam Lucia event where he's with rolling tobacco. With oh, he's yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Soccer's great in event. Don't, don't kick soccer out. Uh, Terrence Riley's great. Um, the Rubens are great at events. Luis Cuevas, another great guy at events. Um, so any, I've been to a Bobby Newman event. He's really good too. Bobby Newman's excellent at an event. All right. So I guess that's going to wrap up the, the show for this week. Um, I want to mention a couple of programming notes and then I'm going to toss it over to you. Um, two, Thursday night, primetime episode 232, uh, PCA media panel show. We mostly PCA media stuff we'll be covering. Uh, that's always a, uh, entertaining show although i like i said i'm a little high going into this pca show so i don't know if i'll have um a lot of darts to throw this but i'm sure we'll have some interesting and spirited debate um next week's uh is special edition 123 and it will be our final special edition before the trade show and we're gonna have a a brand new uh company on uh that's the freud cigar company uh, they'll be coming out to trade show. Uh, they're doing some stuff with Ventura and with uh, Eladio Diaz. So um, it's good to have some new blood. Uh, I think we'll be one of the first shows to have these guys on. So you'll want to tune in for that. And then, like I said, we will be special edition. will resume after the trade show. I know we have Omar coming on next month, late, late in July. So uh, a lot of excitement happening. Uh, Bear, I know you have a, a big show on Sunday. It's one of my favorite shows. So I wanted to, to, to kind of throw that over to you if you want to say anything on it. 
one of my favorite shows too. It was kind of a happy accident a couple of years and we've done it two years in a row. Now this will be our third year doing it. Uh, as many of you all know, um, Sunday is Father's Day. So uh, Coop, happy early Father's Day to you. Yep. Yep. Happy early um, Father's Day to you as well. And then all so listeners as well. Yep. Um, and, you know, it just, like I said, it, it happened a couple of years ago. Um, it was kind of a happy accident. I had Tom Lasuka from Asylum Cigars on uh, our Father's Day episode, you know, our fa- on, on Father's Day. And, you know, I, I, I ran with the theme, you know, and we just had a great time talking about Asylum Cigars, but also talking about points of fatherhood and things like that. And um, so I, you know, I, I told Tom at the end of the show, I was like, this was really fun. I really enjoyed this. He really did too. And I was like, you want to come back next year? Would you, would you want to do it? And he's like, absolutely. This is really cool. And so I approached him last year um, again. And I said, Hey, well, how would you think about bringing on somebody with us? And he said, that sounds great. Um, we had someone else in mind, um, which will come up in the story here in a second. Um, but um, that didn't end up working, but we were able to bring on uh, the former general manager of Michael's and one of my mentors in the industry, Tracy Spence, who I've known for years. Um, who's a great, great friend. So Tracy and, and Tom were on together. Um, and we talked, uh, you know, again, talked about Asylum Cigars some more, but also uh, shared father experiences. And so uh, the, the first choice from last year, because of a collaboration they had just had, um, was supposed to be Oliver Nouveau of United Cigar. And so I'm pleased that our third Father's Day show um, we'll be with Tom Lazuka once again, and Oliver Novo will be joining um, us. And we'll be talking about Asylum Cigars. We'll be talking about United Cigars. We'll be talking about their most recent collaboration. Um, and um, it'll be fantastic. And of course, we'll be sharing um, some stories about fatherhood too. Um, yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um... Great guys, uh, both having great years. I mean, Oliver is killing it right now over at United. And if you haven't paying attention at what United's doing going into the trade show, I think they got some of the best momentum uh, of a lot of companies right now. Like I'm looking at, you know, I'm obviously looking at my picks for company at a trade show, and I'm very impressed with. What, I don't know if it's going to be United. I'm not promising, but they have had it. I'm, I'm intrigued by their whole strategy going into the trade show. And uh, they're back at the trade show this year, which is great. So, and you're right. They collaborated on a couple of cigars, actually. Um, I know I have uh, one. I have one box. I think we have the same box of those cigars. Um, the Stadium Series. The mm-hmm. uh, the kind of the, you know, the one that didn't get released that got released. So, uh, the, the first year's uh, version of it, uh, yeah, that wasn't, did it end up getting released? And then the... Uh... And then the second, the second one from this year. So I actually have both. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm. I didn't know if you get the second one because that's a Yankee Stadium one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I got. I mean, dude, it's it's history, man. You got to appreciate. Some yeah, things, they're great. You know? Yeah, they um, go great in my office. That box too. So, so I'm excited. I think that you got guys who have worked together. I mean, two guys who also worked together very well. So it'll be really interesting to see them on the same show together, and uh, looking forward to that as well. Yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting. And uh, so looking forward to celebrating a great Father's Day with two awesome fathers yep. uh, and two awesome cigar guys. So, yeah, be good. Yeah. Times. Yep. No, it'll be good. All right. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, we will be heading into we're we're getting the coop 
the Coop Coalition is getting ready for um, PCA. And yeah. uh, so we'll be, you know, I think we're planning bare two shows from the compound is the plan. Yeah. So we have one lined up already. The second one we still got to get, but I think we're doing two recap shows this year. So there'll be, will be a unique situation with that. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have details uh, as the show progresses. So uh, we'll have, ben. we'll have bowls of, of, of bowls of coffee, ice cream and uh, um, Ricola standing by for me since I'll be talking most of the show. Again. Yeah, <laughs> no, but Ben got the equipment situation with the help of the surgeon. Uh, so we're pretty excited about that. So, um, and surgeon staying at the house with us this year with Aaron. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So stoked to see John again, man. It's been, I haven't seen John in three years. We haven't seen him since 19. So we, it's been a long time. All right. I want to thank our audience again for tuning in. Thank you as well to Michael Herklotz. Uh, always a privilege to talk to him and that's going to wrap up primetime episode, primetime special edition 122 into the annals of history. I said that I got that number right, right? Yeah, 122 into the annals of history. We will see everybody uh, next week. Take care, everybody. See you next time.